Hi, good morning. You're welcome to The Big Issue. We are live from our studios here at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Selon Adunu. I especially welcome you to today's edition of the program. We'll be back shortly to look at the issues on the table, introduce our guests, and we'll get a discussion underway. The show, as always, is interactive. Uh, we like to hear from you. Your comments are welcome via our uh, social media platforms and WhatsApp on 0549. 0549-96996 and um, other avenues we'll mention to you a bit later on in the program. I'll be right back to deal with the rest of the issues. Don't go away. <laughs> You're welcome back to The Big Issue. We are live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, in Accra. This week particularly has been dramatic. The week opened with what many have described as police brutalities against some minors in a secondary school in the Ashanti region, the Islamic Senior High School. That matter is on the table. And the week actually closed with the men and women in robes and cassocks having their say on the raging controversy of the National Cathedral. They indeed had their say, and we will subject what they said in their seven-page press release to some analysis this morning. On the table, really, is the matter of the police handling of the protest by students of the Islamic Senior High School. The students were expressing their disappointment or displeasure against officialdom for what they describe as neglect um, in terms of the fact that they had written to the urban roads in the region since 2010 to mount uh, what we call ramps on the highway in front of their school because uh, they were suffering knockdowns from speeding vehicles. They say that nothing has been done and so the only avenue left to them was to demonstrate. The students demonstrated and blocked portions of the highway. Police responded in a way people have described as tactless and with a lot of indiscretion, firing tear gas and rubber bullets into the midst of the rampaging students. Some were injured, were taken to the hospital, treated and discharged. The IGP acted swiftly, moved to the scene, and then interdicted some senior officers, including the deputy regional commander of the Ashanti region. We will look at what police professionalism should be in the face of rampaging crowds or protesting crowds and in this particular incident what should the police have done given that they were minors a lot of them were minors did they handle it well was igp right in the decision he took also is a matter of the ever increasing or ever increasing uh, uh fuel prices every now and then we see hikes in fuel prices anytime these days you visit uh, the fuel station you should be sure to look at 
the board because, I mean, the, the, the prices might just have changed. Government says that there is nothing really it can do about the situation because a lot of it is external, um, citing the Russian-Ukraine crisis and the forest matters and other issues. So essentially, uh, we are left to our fate. What can be done? Uh, is it time to scrap the taxes or some of them at least? Is it time to reintroduce subsidies? What does this mean for the re deregulation of the sector? We will have some discussion on it. If we have time, we will also visit Parliament. This week, the Parliament has been doing what many think is its real job of holding the executive to account. Um, the finance minister has failed, neglected, or refused to appear before the House to answer or to account to that august house how he spent monies um, the house approved for it for the COVID-19 plague. We will examine that as well and see why the finance minister has not been attending to parliament or whether he's been so busy. And we'll examine the uh, issues from the perspective of the minority, what they've said and what responses the majority has given for the finance minister's inability to attend upon the house. Uh, the big issue is love across the country on affiliates and uh, on citynewsroom.com. You can join the discussion live uh, via our WhatsApp number 0549986996. My name is Selom Adun, and then we return after this short break and then get you some uh, updates on what stories have been making the round just so we're up to speed with the matters on the table. Don't go away. You welcome back to the big issue. Now, some students of the Islamic Senior High School in Abrepo, Kumasi, took to the streets on Monday and blocked sections of the road to demonstrate against frequent motor traffic accidents in front of their school. In a bid to help open the road to normal traffic flow, police responded by firing warning shots and opening tear gas and pepper spray on the students. Some of the students were injured following the disturbances and were rushed to the hospital for treatment. According to the police service, although nobody died during the disturbances, the way its officers handled the situation was poor and fell short of standard operating, operating procedures on crowd control. The Ghana Police Service following the incident removed its Deputy Ashanti Regional Commander, DCOP Akwesi Akomia Apreku, and has also interdicted two other senior officers over the incident. There is more in the following report. Today is not visiting at the Islamic Senior High School, but a lot of parents are here because they want to see their walls. Students at the Islamic Senior High School were supposed to have a Monday full of academic activities, but it turned into a demonstration after students say there have been incessant vehicular knockdown on this major street and they have alerted authorities to ensure some interventions like the erection of speed ramps to ensure they address this menace. But that has not been done. So today, they poured onto the streets to demonstrate. 
but police officers came in and it turned violent. Some of the students have been rushed to the hospitals and ambulances kept arriving here at the school to take care of the situation. may pass on and my that is why i'm saying that if my daughter pass on ghana police will also kill me so that i will follow my daughter and go because i, I take I, I take good care of my daughter my daughter is no, no, no. what did you find when you came here a lot a lot of the students are collapsing a lot of them are collapsing you can see that a lot of them are collapsing i've seen about eight eight students collapsing when I, I went to the dormitory, when I went to the dormitory, I heard that the fire tear gas and the students are collapsing. So I am, I am, I am. My worry is that this is Ghana police. These are the people that we trust on them. These are the people that we know that they can work for us. These are the people that we know that if there's war in Ghana, we are safely. And this is a Yes, students. These are students, not more than 3,000, 5,000. And they can control them and they are finding a live bullet and they are fighting tear gas. So, so many things. And now the students are, are collapsing. Did you see your word? No, 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 no. I can't find my daughter. I can't. I can't. That is why I'm on tears. My word is that maybe my daughter has passed on. And the, the, the teachers don't want to tell me because I went a lot of places and I can't see my daughter. Uh, we were in our various rooms when we had the news that uh, uh, there were protests here. Students were protesting and uh, some of them were shot, uh, were shot and, be, and have been taken to hospital. So we saw them. We saw. This is the phone. We saw them, we saw them um, being taken to the hospital in an ambulance. We team up here. We want to see those inside. Whether our uh, brothers and sisters are the ones who have been shot or they are the ones in Sivans. They denied us access, access into the premises. That's all that we want. We want to enter. We want to see them, at least a phone call. And they said we should go home tomorrow. How can you sleep with a sound mind knowing that your brother or your sister or your ward is in danger? So that's all that we want, they should release them. We want to see them. We can't move an inch. We are calling them, those at home, they should come. They should come and meet us here. We are not going anywhere. We are here waiting until they let us see them. Let us see them. We were here and when they walked, they denied us. This native imam came and entered. The information that they fed, they fed us is the same information that they fed the original uh, chief imam. He had a meeting with them in less than three minutes. He came to tell us that we should go home. And I told him, and I told him that the information that they fed him is the same information that we don't trust them. We trust our brothers and sisters than the authorities. So one of the health facilities that the students who were injured as a result of the protest at the Islamic Senior High School were brought in is the South Central Government Hospital. And coming here at the isolation center, some parents and guardians are here uh, trying to monitor the situation. I have one gentleman here. You are welcome to City TV. Uh, tell me, who is here? Who have you come to see? One of my brother's daughter is here, who is called Abiba Sadia. And also, my sister also is here, who is also called Yasmin Al Hassan. Uh, when they just uh, blast the tear gas, uh, it, it, it entered through their throat. So, but as for now, Alhamdulillah, how the doctors 
said they are they are now recovering. So but did you see yeah, your yeah my daughter my brother's daughter she's there and also my niece also is there called Yasmin Alasa they are all there. How is their condition now? For now their condition is very well as how we are managing. So gradually gradually inshallah they will be recovered. Okay, twenty two students were brought here. In fact when they got here our walls were full. So we have to move some of them to the isolation ward. Some are the isolation ward and some are the special ward. But as you saw in the wards, they've been stabilized. And we're sure by evening some of them will leave for their homes. So there's no cause for alarm. What were some of the conditions? Well, some of them were having underlying conditions. Some of them have asthmatic conditions. And so because of the tear gas, they reacted to it. Uh -huh. Generally, there has not been anything so... Uh, uh, it appears some of them were reacting to the tear gas that was used. Yeah. So they have been stabilized. Some of them were put on oxygen, others two were treated. No referrals? Only one was referred to Konfonochi because uh, there was this cut on the head. That's right. And then um, uh, that was in the morning. So the headmaster actually uh, alluded to that fact. And because when we came down, I didn't even see that particular person, but I must have indicated when IGP was asking. So while some journalists were also covering this protest by the students, they were bundled into a vehicle of the police and taken to the Swami police station. I have one of them here, Nanaya Amaji, he works with, with Indil group of companies. Uh, you are welcome to CTTV. What happened? You know, our, our office is just some meters away from the school. So we just walked on foot, and then about 50 meters from the gate, we could see the police opening fire, gunfire, into the school, and the students responding with stones. So we took cover and then began to film with our mobile phone. And while at it, one of the police officers said, Oh, journalists, come this way. We are, we are at the right side of the road, and they were at the left. So they said, journalists, come this way. So the impression was that they were inviting us to give us cover from the gunfire and the ensuing stone throwing. So we happily went their way, thinking that we were, uh, we were safe, we would be safe at the side of the police. Immediately we got the, uh, the officer who called us, spoke in Chise, and central phone in Yemunchi Omo. So immediately they just accosted us, fixed our phones away, and pushed that into a pickup that had been parked. And already there were some other people at the, uh, in the buckets. Your crime? Your crime was what? As of now, we've not been charged with any crime. Uh, Our Inspector General of Police made some calls to the urban roads. And they have assured us that within this week, the speed ramps will start. Before they start, before they even start the speed ramps, the IGP himself has decided to buy 10 ropes from his own packet to start it tomorrow. And again, after visiting all the students in the various hospitals, we have realized that no gun shot hit any student. And inshallah, 
all the students will be back this evening. I also want to assure you that whatever happened in terms of the policing aspect of it, we are going to look into it and take all actions that need to be taken to ensure that at the end of the day, to ensure that at the end of the day, the right thing is done, professionalism is deepened in a manner that will not create a situation that will put the life of anybody at risk. Because as police, we are here to protect life and property. And if we cannot do that, then we might have failed in our duties, in our mandate. And it is something that we don't want to do. So rest assured, we are with you, you are our children, and we'll see to it that you are comforted. So that was the incident at the Islamic Senior High School at Abrepo Kumasi in the Ashanti region. Very unfortunate, many say uh, it was. All right, so um, I have a full house now. Um, let me introduce my guest. On my immediate left is the Honorable Andrew Kofi Ejapamesa, who is the MP for Second D and the Deputy Minister for Energy. Honorable, you're welcome. Thank you very much. I also have in the studio um, Osei Owusu Efriye, who is a barrister and solicitor of the Supreme Court of Ghana. That's another way of saying he's a private legal practitioner. Counsel, you're welcome. Thank you. We also have Dr. Ishmael Norman, who is president of the Institute for Security Disaster and Emergency Studies. Doc, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. We also have the usual suspect, Franklin Kujo, who is the president of Imani Africa, joining us on Zoom. Franklin, if you are there, very good morning to you. All right. So you, we also have joining us on Zoom um, the Honorable Peter Lancheni Tobu, who is a former police officer himself, a former executive secretary to the office of the IGP, and now he's a politician. So MP for Wa West. He's on Zoom with us. Honorable, you are welcome to the program. All right. So um, ordinarily, we would have started with the issue of uh, the, 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 the police matters in Abripo. But um, just last night, we had a seven-page uh, press release from the National yeah. Cathedral Secretariat seeking to respond to many of the uh, controversies which uh, have dogged the project in the last few weeks. And uh, they tried to respond to the matters of whether the National Cathedral is a private or public project, uh, matters of disbursement from the state, whether it is legal or illegal, um, issues of the status of uh, some persons on the board of trustees. Uh, if you recall, there were issues or news around the resignation of Dr. Mensah Otabo from the board, and they responded to say that he was not a member even of the board in the first place because he asked to be excused uh, at the point of registration of directors in July 2019. They also touched on the status of the construction of the cathedral and also the key one, the financing and fundraising for the National Cathedral. They ended by saying that they will hold a press conference on June 27, uh, during which they will launch the National Cathedral Week and I'm sure respond to some further issues. Uh, since yesterday, or since last night, this has been generating a lot of issues. So we will we, we'll just start from this briefly and then move to the substantive matters. Um, Honorable, you, you, are, you are welcome. Um, 
I mean, all of you are very much welcome to today's program. Um, this has been long time. It's 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 uh, it's long overdue. Uh, many have thought that the National Secretariat of the National Cathedral should have spoken long ago, and they've allowed the controversies and I don't know whether you call them untruths or half truths about the project to sit deep into people's minds. Now they have come up to 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 respond. Well, what generally is your view on what they have put out? so far? Do you think that it dealt with all the issues or you think there are more issues they could have responded to? Well, let me say good morning to my co-panelists as well and of course uh, the studio and those who are joining us virtually and before I proceed to wish my wife uh, a happy birthday on my own behalf and on behalf of my kids, uh, well, uh, happy birthday uh, James, you, uh, Andrew Jr. and Alison Reddy. Uh, happy birthday you, to her from uh, the show as well. Very well. Um, of course, I mean uh, Sometimes it's good to wait mm. for all the sides of the issues to be tossed into the basket before you proffer an appropriate response, just so that you deal with all the issues comprehensively. And so I disagree that uh, the National Cathedral Secretariat waited for too long for all sorts of, you know, uh, back and forth uh, to, to, to be um, put out there. I think that their response is timely. Mm -hmm. uh, almost everybody has spoken. Those who are for, against, those who feel that yes, even if we are for it, uh, timing is inappropriate. Those of us who believe that, well, it couldn't have been a better time uh, than now to do it, have all spoken. And the National Cathedral has then come out uh, to deal with all the issues that have come up from all um, shades and I think that they've dealt with the issues uh, succinctly, aptly, um, responded to the mischief, the propaganda, the falsehoods, half-truths uh, and, 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 and all of it and of course answered the role of the state question. Uh, uh, last uh, week I was on one of the media houses we were engaging in a discussion on the National Cathedral. And clearly, the suggestion that I got from the host was this was some private enterprise that the president was embarking upon. And so I asked whether he was suggesting the goodwill of this country that this was a property that His Excellency the President could devise to his family upon his demise. Clearly not. And so that takes the question of whether it is personal pledge or that it is a personal project out of the question. Uh, I've heard the president speak on this National Cathedral matter. I heard the finance minister speak in parliament and nowhere did I understand that this was a personal pledge of the president which of necessity ought to be funded by him personally at all times material it was categorically stated that yes excellency the president envisioned and i do not even understand how and why <laughs> the president's vision or pledge even becomes an issue we Ghanaians voted into his vision captured documentary and otherwise because I did not see the NAPCO 
policy that was ruled out that has created jobs for many unemployed graduates as a preparatory step towards finding appropriate jobs but for the NAPCO, going the, forward. The NAPCO could have been captured under the general issues of creating jobs. No, I, I don't have a problem, know. but I'm so, saying so that. The problem really no, is that the national cultural came from you, you see, but of course, and it's an infrastructure. We vote a that, lot of No, no issues. We, we can agree to disagree. Speed. No, no worries at all. We can agree to disagree. But I'm saying, the point that I'm really making is that it cannot be this case that every commitment that His Excellency the President made to Ghanaians ought to have been written before he could move mm -hmm. on to implement it. That's really the point that I'm making. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the question as regards, it was never part of the conversation until he won the election. As far as I'm concerned, it's neither here nor there. Because several other policies and programs have been ruled out that were not part of his election commitments. Mm -hmm. COVID expenditure was not part of anybody's election commitments. COVID was, was, was an emergency. I, I, of course, I'm so, using so. an outlier situation, which necessarily ought to, have be, ought to be funded. So, so whatever the case, we needed to find so resources to I'm, deal with COVID. I, yes. But same, but, way, but same cannot be said for the see, National Cathedral. I'm sure you've read the statement. Uh, I've done so. And uh, for many people, it's answered all the key questions mm. as to the important role that such an infrastructure of the country could play. People would disagree, of course. Even when President Kufo was building the Jubilee House, people disagreed. All sorts of comments were made, including the promise to convert into a hen coop. But what was people that were official, so hungry. That, that wasn't an official position of but anybody. It was a comment that came... Of course. You know. Political parties campaigned on it. Really? Of course. Why? You're not in this country. I was. That's what I'm saying. That It was a comment... It cannot have been source. a comment. All sorts of things were said. Mm. Including deficits in our health infrastructure and all that. And this government has invested a lot in all sectors of our economy. And investing in the National Cathedral and or the provision of health infrastructure, schools, are not mutually exclusive. The, the problem really is, I'm not sure anybody in principle is against building a National Cathedral. A lot of people are in, in principle, principle against it. You know, I think what I've heard many say is that the speed with which we are undertaking this project, we have to finish in the next two years or so. I, I think a, it's even late. By now it should have been complete. At a time like this, where we don't have resources, when people you, you see, are being taxed left, right, and center, e-labor is on, and you are in parliament. You see, you saw how your side suffered to get this through. I mean, fuel prices, we will discuss that. I mean, incomes are not increasing. Fuel prices and cost of living is ballooning. Then now... Government is voting money uh, for, see, for a project that many do not consider you make it sound as if... And especially when there's been no clear line item in the budget, as far as I'm concerned, voted for this. But government has found ways of, you know, getting this project huge sums of money. You know, when other things which, which, which are more, more, we say more necessary could have been done, including the bread and butter issues, nothing like that. But we have money and resources to deal with this. When the initial thing was, we're going to partner with the churches, we're going to give initial seed but money, that hasn't changed. give land, etc. It hasn't but changed. A lot see, of the things see, have not been see, budgeted you, for. That's the, you see, the claim. Uh, you've made your point. That you make it seem as if 
it was only yesterday that all of this started. Mm. It was only when the global economic situation that we are encountering today that the president woke up and said, well, in spite of all that, I'm building a cathedral. No, but I said, there, there can this be adjustments project started made. in 2017. Yes, but I'm saying that. So, there no, could no, be, please, there could be please, please, you've made your point. You, you, if you yes. allow me to I'm, respond, so, it doesn't it. matter. Just I'm so, saying that so guide it. we can you know, we, we, we can guide my you thoughts. I guide the program, No, you know. you've asked a question. Yes, and I'm saying that. You have you go, painted a certain picture suggesting mm -hmm. that somebody is being insensitive, that in the midst of all the things that we find ourselves in today, he's walking up and says he's building a cathedral. And I'm saying that that supposition is incorrect. Because the project did not start yesterday or today. Mm. It started in 2017. It was on the verge of the Independence Day uh, celebration that the Excellency the President commissioned the Secretariat and indicated that this was what we're going to do as a country under his leadership. At the time, we had economic issues. But we were resolving them. Mm. Our economy was growing. 2017, 2018, 2019. What has been done at the location. I drive by there every day when I'm going to the office. Okay, so let it not be seen as if to say, oh, and, and fuel prices are going up, and we know what it is that is accounting for the fuel prices going up. We know what it is that accounted for the sharp decline in our currency, which clearly, 2022. But the processes and the work itself with respect to the National Cathedral had started, mm -hmm. okay, before these things all came up. Question is, should we stop and sink those money in there for it to go waste as part of the usual infrastructure that is sitting uncompleted? Recall, only two, three years ago, the 40-year-old abandoned maternity block at the Confanochi Teaching Hospital. 40 years. And it litters across the country uncompleted projects should we say that because of what it is that we are going through now all of the investment that has been made in there should stop mm. i disagree very well okay so please i'm saying only last week essentially the president launched the development bank the clear purpose of that bank is to stimulate industrialization small medium Enterprises are going to benefit from the capitalization that has been provided long term for that bank to support Ghanaian industry. Mm. Hospitals are being built, including my own region, Efian Kwanta Regional Hospital. Work has commenced. Eastern Regional Hospital. Road constructions are going on. Schools are being built. ICT infrastructure is being provided. A whole lot of developmental projects are going on as we speak. So let it not be said, as if to say the president is sitting there, aloof, unconcerned, he's not doing anything, and then he's building a cathedral. Very, very Please. Well, very well. Uh, so, I mean, given that this is not the main topic for let, let, let me just move on to, to uh, Doc uh, Ishmael Norman uh, to see what he also has to say about this. Doc, um, I don't know how much you've been following this. I'm surely I think you have. Um, the, the National Cathedral Secretariat has sought to um, respond to some of the issues. I mean, like um, Honorable has said, they've succinctly dealt with the issues. For many, the issue really is about the speed with which this government wants to complete this project, you know, despite the economic challenges we have. I don't know what you think about the controversy 
and what the response of the um, Secretariat has been vis-a-vis -vis the times we find ourselves in. Thank you very much. I am a Christian. Um, I'll be happier if we will build a national cathedral for Muslims. Another one, mm -hmm. financed by the government. Land provided by the government, $25 million provided by the government, 25 million cities provided by the government, and set up a secretariat for that. I'll be happier if the government will finance a national cathedral for traditional religion in this country. I think there's a problem with separation of church and state mm -hmm. that we don't even want to tackle it. Um, it's not the business of government to build national cathedrals. So as a Christian, no, I, but don't, I don't think government is. Government has said it's partnering the churches. Yes, the government is using state money, state money. property, mm -hmm. seed money, whatever you call it. It's still state money. Mm. This is where the cross of the matter is. You said you're going to build a cathedral to honor God for making you who you have become. That shouldn't be the concern of Ghanaians. That should be the concern of the presidency. I'm not sure the president said so in, in, in the exact same way as you put it. Well, I mean. I'm summarizing what you said. <laughs> so so I, I get bothered when religion becomes part of state business. It shouldn't be. Mm. It's a private enterprise. It's a private faith that people exercise. So as a Christian, I, I don't even see the value of it. I go to ICGC. The ICGC has beautiful buildings. Mm -hmm. And I don't see the point of creating another edifice to honor God. Mm. When a in many one. a national one, mm -hmm. in many places, when some of these edifices are actually being turned into nightclubs mm. and, and and hotels, so I, I have a, a bit concern when you 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 just oppose that against the problems of this country, even if the decision was made in 2017. Mm. We didn't have COVID then. Mm. So that the, the stresses, the extra st stresses on our economy were not there. So maybe at that time it was okay. Mm. People probably would not have paid so much attention to it mm. as they are doing now. But here we are. Very, very soon we're going to put about 450,000 new graduates into the system. There are no jobs. There are no factories. Mm. If the president was going to take $25 million to support the industry, manufacturing basis in this country, I'd be very happy. But the government is already doing a lot of like that what? already. What is, the, what is the manufacturing strength of Ghana? 3% so, to GDP? But there's one district, one factory. Government is, is partnering the private sector to do. A number of factories have come on stream. Persons have gotten jobs. Government is constructing roads, creating jobs. Government is constructing hospitals across the country, Agenda 111, creating jobs for people to do. So it's, I think the point really is uh, uh, things are already happening. And, and should government say because of the times, I'm stopping the construction, so it becomes another uncompleted project and to be built by whom, when? You know, so I think that is it. And they've made us clear that they are not the persons, going, the government is not going to build it. Government is only giving the initial seed money, etc., land, secretarial, and the churches will go ahead and do it, and there'll be fundraising from other sources to fund it. Seed money, when you start in a business and a bank gives you seed money, that is the very essence of investment. But that is about 10% of the it initial It doesn't matter, even if it's a fraction. Mm -hmm. 
It doesn't matter. It's still state money. Mm. So they should do the same for the Muslims. Do the same for traditional religion. I'll be very happy so that there is equity. Very well. Uh, Council, um, lawyer, I'll say it will free you. Um, this matter, I mean, he mentioned the matter of the separation between the church and the state. Yes. I think the matter somewhat came up in the Bonfair versus AG case, and the Supreme Court was clear that supporting Hajj pilgrims and then um, supporting the church to build a national cathedral uh, was, was not uh, or was actually a promotion or in furtherance of the directive principles of state policy. I don't know what you think about the building because maybe uh, the horses have voted from the stable. Now we have it. Should we continue or we should stop it so it becomes a non-completed project? And, and with the background of the current economic situation. Well, 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 I, well um, um, I think that uh, if you look at the feisty um, response mm -hmm. from the um, uh, uh, Secretariat, um, they have set out um, uh, the parameters for what's going to happen. And um, we are, in a way, caught between... Um, <laughs> the rock and the hard place. place. Yes. You, you know, and so uh, 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 it's now state uh, property. You know, uh, personally, I would rather the um, uh, uh, government um, set up more state um, enterprises, mm -hmm. you know, to uh, 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 facilitate um, industrialization. But this has been done. And I think it's going to be very difficult not to complete the uh, uh, project. Mm. And I think uh, the, the Secretariat has made quite a compelling case, you know, from an economic um, um, perspective, you know, in terms of in terms of uh, uh, the the future uh, um, um, of it, so um, I know that we have the uh, ongoing petroleum um, uh, um, crisis. Some people will say that is this the right time for this sort of project to be um, um, undertaken? Well, yeah, it's very it's very very, very um, difficult to um, answer. I mean, what I like about it is the spread of, uh, you know, if you look at how it's going to be um, financed, you know, we, you know, well, we have the uh, seed capital from um, government, and then we also have um, uh, uh, um, the participation of churches. So, so um, and private, mass, private, what private. What mass mobilization strategy. strategy. Yes, yes. You have the church mobilization, you yes. have the private sector strategy, yes. and they have the international fundraising. Yes. It would be interesting to know how much has come in so far, because the finance minister launched this 100 CD, is it per month or so? Yeah. I don't know how much has come into the kitty. Uh, I'm a member you know? of the 100 per month club. Oh, so you, you always contribute. Of course. <laughs> Why not? But so do you, do you perchance know how much is... is no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much has come in, but okay. I'm, I happily contribute monthly. Very well. That, so, so, so that's it. All right. Um, it's Franklin there. Franklin, um, they've made quite a compelling case for the National Cathedral. They've talked about the tourism potential of it, and they say that Africa alone has over 600 million Christians. So if even 10% of those were to visit Ghana and visit the cathedral, that's a lot of money for Ghana. Clearly making uh, a value for money uh, argument for the project. I mean, the project is started. We can't leave it the way it is. We have to continue. What do you make of, I mean, their defense of the viability, of the, the economic viability even of the project how it puts Ghana on the map, etc. You know, if anybody told me that the um, the president was going to Frank, I think you have to unmute. Can you unmute so we can hear you? Um, I'm actually okay. unmuted. Let yes, me see. So go ahead. Uh, 
Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you. We can hear you. Well, I mean, I said, if anybody told me that president was going to build a cathedral for the nation, um, I, I would have I would have uh, won that wager and said, actually, no, I don't think the president would do that. Um, because knowing who he is, knowing who he was, maybe, um, I don't think that would have been one of the priorities in the midst of uh, the squalor and the poverty we find ourselves, indeed. Poverty, not just of the real poverty, but poverty of ideas and poverty of developmental thinking. I would never have thought the day would have come where this would be justified by my good friend Andrea Japan Mesa, by the way. Um, so is a, is look, that is a member of the 100 Ghana City per month club. Are you, are you a member? <laughs> he's trying to draw me to the club by like most of the arguments he made this morning. But I'm a good friend. They, no way. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll meet with you during the week. And I'm sure that by, by the end of our conversation, uh, you will join the club. No, no that, that's fine. You know, um, and let me just say that, uh, of course, I'm a Catholic as well. And I should be believing in cathedrals. But cathedrals uh, built with... Um, a lot of, uh, should I call it, uh, private capital. Um, but you see, the challenge here, and I've read the response on the National Cathedral, I think they've set up the framework in this way. Uh, somebody in government decides that they want to build something for the, for the state. There's no consensus on it. There's no dis uh, conversations had about it. For us to say that this was a contract between the state and the, and the citizenry, and from that position, we move on to say, okay, because we've set up some legal structure, therefore it is legal. You know, when you want to plunder, you can set up a set of laws to, uh, to legalize plunder. I mean, I think uh, I'm, I'm just saying that the form in which, in which this conversation has taken has been perfectly given a legal face or given a legal construct. And that doesn't make it legal. You know, the challenge here is that the state funds, the state uh, state money is being used for something that we never agreed uh, for. for, for uh, I mean, the citizenry did not agree at all, which is why there's a raging debate, really. I think if the president wanted to build a cathedral for the nation, he'd have had the first conversation, well, do we need this cathedral? Not to make post-facto um, post rationalizations as to whether we needed it or not. And all these conversations about tourism and all of that are coming after, it's an afterthought really. So I think we started the conversation on the wrong footing, which is why there's still raging controversy over the matter. And look, um, at the end of the day, I think the, the same process procedures that we wanted, or the procedures that we want to ensure that even if it was a legitimate ask, uh, would be used in building the cathedral are not being followed. We did not hear about the procurement process properly. We think it is so sourced. We are told that it was legitimate because it went through PPA and all of that. I mean, if a, a cathedral of this nature, um, of this magnitude that is being funded by the state, the quantum of some before, it should have been, um, should I call it, uh, competitively sourced, procured, right? I mean, even in the event that the same person wins the contract, at least we'd have said there was a process that was done. So there are a number of conversations around the cathedral, which makes it very difficult for many people to support. Mm. Very well. And I don't think yes. they rationalize yes. the structure. 
mix it uh, mix it uh, all right so, so, so yeah so, so franklin um so you are in the civil society space the secretariat is saying that um it's not quite pleased or happy about the nature of the conversation on this matter and they think that uh, we should elevate the conversation it says this historic and game-changing project deserves a more elevated national conversation on its nature funding and relevance than it has been the case so far and it says that the national secretariat commits to uh, this elevated discussion on the project to an open and transparent process of communication to achieve this now a lot of water is going out of the bridge how do we elevate this discussion going forward frankly what is there to elevate again? I mean, it's even an indictment on themselves. They should have started the conversation right uh, on, 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 the, on the right notes. I don't think it is anybody's doing that the cathedral has been uh, mad in this controversy. It is their fault that it has, it has been mad in this controversy. They set up the conversation. The conversation was not rightly done, and which is why it is what it is. Don't ask me what it is, how we should elevate the conversation. There's nothing to elevate. People are saying that we didn't need the state to fund the state to fund the cathedral. That's all. I don't see any elevation of the discourse at all. I mean, I think the same issues are still outstanding, and they are clear. The issues about money, really. Why should the state be funding uh, a project that necessarily it, it was not was not uh, part of our contract? It wasn't in the manifesto that the state was going to spend millions of CDs. On, on the project. If you think of it, right, that the manifesto contains series of promises uh, which cost a lot of millions to, to, to undertake. Not all of them have had space even in the budget, right? So why should the cathedral, which was not, which was not contemplated in the first place, which is the least really of our, of our needs, because everybody prays to his or her God, really. I don't see how that conversation can be elevated at all. There's nothing to elevate. Mm -hmm. I, I see. All right. So so that, that that's all for that discussion. I think we'll, oh, we'll move on. Yes. No. I mean, it, it wasn't really. So let, let's let's move on to the next uh, um, issue on the table, which is the, the substantive matter. I, I, I hardly disagree with Franklin on many issues. This is a house we are building for the law, so we don't have very to, well, very we don't well, have no to problem, promote no a lot of disagreements and, 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 and disputes on it. All right, so uh, the matter of the Islamic senior high school and, and, and the police's handling of, of the protest the students embarked on. Uh, let me start with you, Dr. Norman. Um, the police have a duty to protect life and property. These students you know, supposed to be in school, came out, you know, rampaging, blocked roads, etc. The police were called to the scene, and in some videos I have seen, the police claim that they were holding weapons, cutlasses, etc. One of the journalists we spoke to in, in the clip he played earlier said the students were pelting the police people with stones. So the police responded. I mean, not with live bullets, but with warning shots and, and tear gas. What should they have done, given that they were facing attack, stone attack, and they had cutlasses, they say? What, what, what could they have done? I think they should have followed the incident order uh, manual mm. um, in managing this crisis. The, the way the police went about it is what the public order um, management mm -hmm 
protocol that they have tells them to do. Mm -hmm. First, you go in with uh, water cannons, and then you follow it with tear gas, mm -hmm. and then rubber bullet, mm -hmm. and then light bullets. Mm -hmm. The manual doesn't differentiate between the age mm -hmm. or the gender mm -hmm. of the people who are organizing the demonstration. Mm -hmm. And so the police went in following the order precisely, mm -hmm. step by step. What they would have done is if they had been trained mm -hmm. to do otherwise. So because they don't have any alternative approach mm -hmm. in managing public crisis like this, mm -hmm. they followed what they have been trained on. Mm -hmm. So it's the duty of IGP mm -hmm. to change the training manual. Okay. That if students are involved, they don't have any exceptions. Mm -hmm. They are demonstrating, it doesn't matter who they are, attack it this way. So if students are involved, the approach should be different. Mm -hmm. If older people, over 60 people, are demonstrating for their rights, they should, the approach should be different. So because we don't have that alternative approach mm -hmm. or approaches, they just followed dito dito what the manual says they should. So the interdiction of the police officers is wrong. Mm. There's a lawyer here. If he reads the manual, I'm also a lawyer. If you read the manual, you will see that they didn't deviate from the manual. Mm. So you cannot tell a police officer who is commanded, mm -hmm. and the command was a legal command. It was not an illegal command. So they have the right to the use of force guaranteed by our Constitution, mm -hmm. Article 3. Mm -hmm. Then, Act 491 also allows them to do that. So, having followed the order given by their superior officers, mm -hmm. you cannot interdict them. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dan Parrish should inter interdict himself for not having changed the, 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 manual. the manual. After Jira, after Nkransa, after Akachi, the onus is upon him to make sure that we have alternative approaches to public disturbances. Mm. And I have suggested to them a critical uh, incident model where it's systematic for each event where there could be periods of de-escalation mm -hmm. where you will try to actually talk the people down. Mm. Our training system for the police doesn't have anything like that. Mm. So I think it's sanctimonious on his part to say that everything is going to be all right and that we're going to investigate the matter and punish the perpetrators. Mm -hmm. What did the police officers do that is wrong? You should tell us. Maybe, given that they were young people, maybe the initial approach was not to start firing tear gas warning shots, etc. They are students. And I'm not sure, even though the manual, you, you, you say, spelled it out this way, I'm not sure they would have derogated from it so much if one or two had tried to engage them prior to, you know, firing the, the warning shots, etc., to see reason why it was improper to block the road. Because blocking the road obviously was wrong. So maybe that didn't happen. They just went straight ahead and, and fired the shots as far as we know.
So maybe that indiscretion and, and tactlessness is what the, the police chief is punishing. That would be wrong. Mm. Because the order doesn't give you the choice to make a decision on the spot as to how you react. You are giving the command. They are they block the road. We don't know what they have. They are pelting us. Some of them have, whether they have catalysis or not, we don't know. Mm -hmm. So every time we have these conversations from the police saying, oh, they had weapons on them and so on and so forth. Now the kids have catalysis. You mean the kids go to school with catalysis? Of course, kids go to school with catalysis. They weed. And it's part of the prospectors. They take catalysis to school. Okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe they had a catalysis. I went to school here in Ghana. Secondary school, elementary school. You didn't, you didn't go with catalysis. I never no, went, I went to school with catalysis. I don't know about... Uh, okay. and, and, so maybe and, and these days our children go to school no, it's, with it's catalysis. Been it's been there. Okay. So maybe they, they approach the police with the catalysis. So with the catalysis coming at you, a police officer with a gun is not going to say, okay, come and cut me up. Mm -hmm. It won't happen. He will shoot. Children are known to also be in engaged in um, um, struggle. So, especially with the impression that it's an Islamic school. Oh, boy. So, mm. the whole mindset was actually geared towards the conclusion that we had. So, so you think the police were prejudiced? Of course. They are also always. on the fact that it was an Islamic school. Of course. And, and, and to what end? Ah, they are troublemakers. Haven't you heard it said it before? Amansi, Asante Amansi, mm. they killed seven guys coming from Zongo. They concluded that because they were coming from Zongo, they must have been armed. And they actually concocted stories and planted evidence on them, spent uh, shells, bullets on them. Meanwhile, they had no guns when they dusted their fingers. There were no gunshot residues. So we have heard these stories again and again and again. The problem is the where the police officers are trained. Mm. I was in the army. If I'm sent on a mission and I'm giving specific orders to follow, I am not going to modify the order along the way. That mm. would be wrong. The police officers didn't do anything wrong. They followed the, uh, the incident and public order management manual. Mm. Which is what they used to train them. And the manual says when you get onto a scene, yes. you fire warning shots, you, you fire tear gas, you fire rubber bullets into the crowd. That is it. Former IGP Opon Bueno went to parliament, probably you were there, and he described the procedure. First, we use uh, uh, water, water cannon. Mm -hmm. Then we use, uh, we, we, we talk to them in a bullhorn. Then we use rubber bullets, warning shots. And then if nothing happens, we use ammo. Mm -hmm. That's how he put it, quoting him. So what did the police do that was wrong? And Honorable Opon Bueno was describing exactly how he was trained on that manual. So it's the manual that has to change. And I've been advocating for this change for the past two or so years. I've even written a paper designing a model that can give them the alternative to look at situations a bit more differently. Mm. And, and what has the response been? Oh, you think that? they will engage me? Why not? Oh, <laughs> please. Am I one of them? I'm an outsider. You know how it is in this country. All right. I, I, I see. All right. So, so this is the big issue coming to you live from our studios at number 11, uh, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabrakai in Accra. Uh, you just heard um, Dr. Ishmael Norman, who is the president of the Institute of Security, Disaster and Emergency Studies, 
uh, saying quite some interesting things that the conduct of the police officers was not wrong. It was right because they were following the, the standard operating procedures. And that says that when you get onto the scene, you, you, you fire warning shots, you use tear gas, you use rubber bullets, depending on the uh, conduct or the reaction of the other side. So he thinks that the IGP, uh, Dr. Kofu Dampari, behaved quite sanctimoniously in, 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 in interdicting the officers he interdicted and that he should actually be blamed for not revising the standard operating manual after Ejura, after Akachi, and after the last one, um, after Ejura, Nkuranza, and Akachi. Um, we will be back after this break and then take the views of my other panelists on the show. This is The Big Issue. My name is Salom. I don't, don't go anywhere. You're welcome to The Big Issue live on 97.3 City FM and also on City TV. We welcome our TV viewers. And this morning, uh, we've already looked at the matter of the National Cathedral and the response from the uh, National Secretariat of the Cathedral and, and, and all that they've said. Uh, my panelists have shared their views on that. And we are on the matter of the police brutality at the Islamic High School in Abripur in Kumasi. One of my guests, the security analyst, actually, um, Dr. Ishmael Norman, Norman, president of the Institute for Security, Disaster and Emergency Studies, is of the view that the police did nothing wrong. They only followed orders. And as a regimented uh, organization, as a police, uh, they only have to follow orders. And the standard operating manual of the police service you know, details that. And exactly what they did is what is contained in the manual. He also thinks that the IGP 
behave quite sanctimoniously in, in rushing to interdict the officers he interdicted. He should rather be blamed for not revising those procedures after the incidents we saw in Ejura, um, in Kranza, and Akachi, if you recall. So he is placing the blame squarely at the doorstep of the IGP, Dr. Kufudampari. Very interesting view there. Um, uh, Council, um, Osei Owusu Efriye, who is a private legal practice, and I come to you. That obviously is a very different view and quite interesting too. I mean, what do you make of that? Also, to, to, to add to the fact that the students demonstrated illegally and their demonstration was in flagrant disregard of the Public Order Act. They did not go through the process as stipulated by Section 123 or so of that act. So the police were actually in there to quell an illegal gathering of people, albeit young people. What, what, what do you say? Well, I mean, um, what I'll say is that when you're dealing with these matters, um, and especially when it com comes to crowd um, con control, even though the police have a manual, mm -hmm. you know, I believe there's an implied um, discretion there for the commanders um, on the ground, uh, you know, and 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 so they they have um, um, discretion. And if you are looking at it from possibly where the police administration is is, is sitting at, they are looking at the issues of maybe um, proportionality, you know, in that you know you you must make sure that the response is uh, proportional to the events that's actually happening um, on the ground. In this matter, you're dealing with teenagers, basically persons who are possibly between the ages of about 14, possibly to about 17 or, or um, 18. You, you know, we've all been to school before. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, they can get uh, um, hyper um, um, active. The standard operations manual actually frightens me if this is what is in the manual, mm -hmm. you know, because I think uh, then uh, the IGP has a task to innovate and to change it mm -hmm. and possibly to give the uh, 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 police and commanders on the ground a little bit more discretion, mm -hmm. you, you know, in terms of how they deal with these things. Because um, obviously, if you're dealing with students uh, in secondary school, I mean, to go in there, find um, rubber bullets, you know, uh, and tear gas, and I think it's a bit um, over the top. Mm. In, but in what, what do you say the about the, the illegality of the gathering? Well, Students it was definitely, it was definitely um, 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 illegal, mm -hmm. uh, possibly when the police went there. The police could have used, uh, 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 given them a verbal uh, warning and said, "Look, disperse." I don't and they think were it. Were stones at the police? Well, you know, they, you know, they could have done that, mm. you know, uh, uh, to uh, start the uh, process, and then possibly, if that didn't quell the uh, uh, the the, the uh, stone throwing, it could have been um, escalated, mm. uh, you know. But, you know, to just go in there dealing with seven um, uh, juveniles, um, really. You know, and fine um, tear gas mm. and, um, and and rubber bullets. You know, especially I think was a bit over over the top. Mm. You know, but of course, uh, 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 um, Dr. Norman has made a point that, 
you know, these are the rules, mm. you know, and that, and that uh, 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 um, the uh, commanders um, possibly were, were um, um, going by the book. Mm. And if these are the rules, then the rules must change. Very well. So, so let, let, yes. let me talk to somebody who um, should understand the rules because yes. it, it's, it's been there. Uh, the Honorable Peter Lanchini Tobu, he is a former police officer, I think a superintendent. He was the executive secretary to the office of the IGP, very, very high position. Uh, very close to power. Let, let's find out from him what his views are on this. Um, Honorable, good morning. Welcome to the program. Um, Dr. Norman, um, someone I believe you know so well, he said that the police on this matter did nothing wrong. They only followed the standard operating procedures. You have worked with these procedures. What is the procedure or attending to riotous crowds or demonstrating persons? Thank you very much, my brother. Let me say good morning to Dr. Norman and my other panel members, and say good morning to all people working with uh, CCTV. You've been doing a fantastic job in the area of educating Ghanaians and bringing relevant information to bear for us to think about national development. Uh, what happened in the Islamic Senior High School in Kumasi is an affront to our own dignity as a people. And I think that, it, in summary, the Inspector General of Police felt that, I mean, the police had done what his belief was not right. There were certain objections in his own thinking. And that is how come he interdicted very high-level senior officers in the police service <clears throat> to allow for some kind of investigation to go on for us to see the way forward. When we talk about public disorder, in 1992, when the Constitution was, in 1992, Constitution was passed, it was just very clear that people had a lot of freedom guaranteed in the Constitution. In 1994, Parliament felt that it was right for us to, to have some level of management to, to, to prevent chaos. Okay? So we passed the 1994, the, the Act 491. Hello? Hello? Yes, yes. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In 1994, Parliament passed Act 419, mm -hmm. the Public Order Act. Yes. And the Public Order Act is the template that is supposed to be used to enforce law, to ensure that there is some level of decency in public space. Mm. But over the years, and for my 25 years in police service, I have never seen any letter written by any police administration, school administration or student body or student leadership requesting to go on demonstration, especially at that basic level, secondary school or junior high school. I have never seen one. Mm. And I think that there is nowhere in Ghana that secondary school students will start to plan to go on demonstration. Normally, it is always spontaneous, something happens and they can't hold it, and all of a sudden they become ungovernable, some level of hyper in them, and finally the police will have to respond. This particular one, it was not a student demonstration against school authorities as we usually know. This was a demonstration to draw the attention of Ghana. Now listen, all we need is speed ramps. Too many accidents in front of this school. Our lives are in danger. Can somebody hear us? So the police job was supposed to go and let them clear off the street. Mm. They had blocked the street, they were creating the, the, the traffic, and the police ought to have gone there just to get them back onto campus. What is so shocking, and I think that that is the basis upon which the IGP acted, we found videos of students running into campus and security officers chasing them into the campus. They were supposed to be, stay, to, to be, to be made to stay off the street. And if they get off the street, you don't have any business following them to campus because in campus, they are not going to cause any havoc. They are not demonstrating against school authorities. They are not going to destroy any property within campus. All they wanted was 
the public to understand that we have a plea, and please, somebody should listen to us. And within 24 hours or so after the demonstration, there are temporary speed runs. Was it something that we couldn't have done? So why you talk about standard operating procedure? The standard operating procedure applies anytime the police officer dresses and you are under command. First of all, you are under command to disperse crowd. Mm. And the procedure is so simple that, look, level one force is just your presence. Your presence alone is level one force to tell the people that, listen, what you are doing is illegal. What you are doing, we are telling you, please, get back to campus. Level two force is to use a voice. And in using the voice, I have said that the police, through community policing strategy and consent by police, which is a policing principle, could have activated a strong community key. And that strong community key in an Islamic senior high school would have been the regional imam. If the police had invited the regional imam at the scene for him to have a voice, let him make a statement to the students. I am telling you in three minutes, all the students have gotten back to campus because they revered the regional chief imam. But, but, but how, how feasible would that be? The regional imam could have been somewhere. Something is happening right now. Are you now going to be looking for the regional imam to come all the way from wherever he is to speak to the crowd to dispel them? Is, is, that, is, that, is that the point you are making? When I talk about the regional imam, it's an office, not just a person. I'm talking about the fact that it's an Islamic school and somebody so key, if the regional imam is not even available, he could, he, could, he could direct one of his deputies or somebody within the Islamic fraternity who could appear in the school and the, the student would give him that respect. It's all about calming them down and it's all about the students getting back to campus. Why are they demonstrating? You need to understand that. They are demonstrating because they are talking about speed runs. What the KMA board said on the day after the demonstration, if he had appeared there even with the police to assure them, listen, the demand for speed run has created an insecurity. I have come to tell you, listen, if that is the reason you are on the street, please go back. I am giving you tomorrow. By tomorrow morning, I'm going to bring you temporary speed runs. And within two weeks, we are going to construct speed runs for you. That is all they need to hear. So that, I mean, we bring so much pressure to bear on security on matters that are not security related. And that is why Kufiana said it very clear. Security and development are like trains. You can't have one without the other. You can't have security without development. You cannot have security within that area without the speed ramp. So somebody is responsible for speed ramp. Somebody is also responsible for physical security. So both of them must collaborate and work together. And today, the KMA has promised to do it. The IGP influenced the system, and finally we have 10 speed ramp in the system. And everybody is saying, this is all we were looking for. This is the solution. Couldn't we have done this without allowing the student to, to, to go rampaging? In terms of police operational procedure, when you have the presence and it's not working, you have the voice and it's not working, we have a unit. You know, in 1999, the United Nations realized that any time there is demonstration, public trying to express their views on a matter that they, they feel that it is, it is abhorrent, the police will go there and all they do is to go and shoot. So the, the, if they shoot and it doesn't work, they even bring in the military. The United Nations decided that let's look for a soft power to deal with these rights that people want to enjoy because we are pushing democracy across the world. And they created what we call the Formed Police Unit. The Formed Police Unit is a specialized unit within the Ghana police structure that is specially trained to deal with public disorder issues. And that Formed Police Unit, the Inspector General of Police at the time, Mr. Mohammed Ahmed Al Hassan, had a dream to ensure that this region in this country will have at least one form police unit. And one form police unit is 140 officers specialized in so many things regarding craft management 
and they are, they are, they are, they are, they are, they are armed. In other words, they are equipped in such a way that when they appear in the crowd, there is a way to do it without actually going to the point of killing people. And it's a specialized unit. All of us begin to think about how do we get professionalism into the system by using the right tools for the right way. Formed police unit is actually the right department or the right unit responsible for crowd control. So if they're not available, and you have to call people who are on patrol to deal with armed robbery, who are on, on just normal patrol, and you call them to the scene, all they carry with them is AK-47, and they will have to use it if it becomes necessary. Yes, Honorable, do we know which unit of the police service you know, was called in to address this matter. Do we know? Of course, it will be regional operations. And the foreign police unit is under the regional operations. So at the time that they informed the police, and it's a regional matter, and the regional operations went there to support the division, whatever tools that they carried there with, they should have known that this is student reaction, student demonstration. So we are dealing with students. That's the first thing. Your info should tell you that you are dealing with students. And who are they? Islamic Senior High School. You understand the security implication of dealing with students. So, so you go there with that mentality that we are going to deal with young people, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old young people. So if you go there and all of a sudden you are fired, you see, you realize that when they fired even the live bullet, not a single person died because they were not firing at the crowd. They were firing to scare. Those were warning shots. But the, the, the other implication of warning shots with such youngsters is the fact that when they even hear the gunshot, the sound alone can create fear and panic. And some of them can actually run and hit themselves against walls and fall into gutters and get hurt. And gradually you realize that somebody probably would have gotten hurt, wounded or even dead, not because a bullet hit him or her, but because he was so scared of the sound of the bullet that he wanted to take cover and finally ended up dying. And we'll trace all that back to the police professional approach. Is it questionable? Yes, the IGB says it's questionable. And that is why people are interdicted. And I, including my police in the Defense and Interior Committee, we are waiting for the report, the full report of investigation from the police to tell us the interdiction. What was the purpose of the interdiction? You felt that there was something untoward done. What is the outcome of the investigation? And we'll take it from there. And but, until then, we don't want to be too preemptive of what is likely to be the outcome of the investigation. Very well. So, so you, you, just said, you just said that the IGP felt that the conduct was questionable. And, and, and what do you say? I mean, um, what you say is quite important because you have been there and now you are in the position of decision-making. So what, what do you say from all you've gathered so far? Of course, you, you've not, you don't have the benefit of the investigations yet, but preliminary, I mean, primarily, what do you say about the conduct of the police? Do you also believe that it was questionable or you think that the IGP's you know, uh, decision has been a bit um, heavy-handed? Thank you very much. Having been a student before, and having been a student leader before, and being a police officer before, if I put all my experiences together, I think that the police could have done better. Even though it is clear in the standard operating procedures that this is how you handle crowd, and mind you, we've also had reports that they were with weapons like cutlasses, and indeed they were pelting stones at the police, which meant that perhaps the police tried using the level one, because their presence obviously was there. Their presence did not deter them. Level two, the voice, you know, didn't deter them. Now, they started pelting stones at them. You know, notwithstanding all of that, you still think the police, you know, did not condemn, conduct themselves properly. Please, if you deploy the wrong tools to solve a problem, you get wrong answers. 
If the police deploy the wrong department or the wrong unit to deal with crowd management, all you get is embarrassment. I'm not sure that if the police had deployed a full-form police unit with the, 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 the water can, the one that carries hot water, and with all the filth, do you know if you go to the form police unit training ground, there are role players who actually behave like civilians, felting the stones and throwing sticks and all of that in the training. So when you find a police officer on a crowd control duty saying that they were throwing stones and throwing sticks, tell the person that that is how you were trained. You were trained to understand in a demonstration you can go violent and they can throw stones and they can throw sticks. So you were trained to be able to, to stand that purpose. So it's nothing new. It's nothing surprising. And there is a principle. I think I heard one of my co-panel members say, say, say something like that. There's a principle called the principle of proportionality. You don't kill a, a, a fly with a sledgehammer. So at any point in time, the police officer who is commanding the operation has a, a, a wide discretionary space. That, uh, that wide span of discretion, you have to use it well. And if you use it well, you'll be applauded at the end of the day. If you mess up, you will be blamed. So command and control resides with the commander on the ground. So nobody should say that because they were pelting stones, the police needed to fire, fire life bullets. No. Because the proportionality of the use of force should be, somebody that, should be something that should be in the heart of every police officer. These are students. They are throwing stones. And some of them are carrying cutlasses. And so, you should. I no. see. So, so, so your, your view is that the wrong unit was dispatched. So perhaps if the form police unit, which is the unit purposely trained for such situations was deployed, the, the results would have been different. So could that be the reason why, could that be the reason why the, uh, the deputy regional commander has been sanctioned and the reason why the senior officers also have been interdicted? Because from everything you've said, the persons they sent, I understand they were the SWAT team, the persons they sent had a different, you know, approach to dealing with situations like this. So what they did was what they knew how to do best. So you can't actually blame the unit. Could that explain why the persons above them, you know, are being punished? Yes, I think that what the IGP did is just to show that if you are in charge, you should demonstrate that you are in charge. And whatever happened, the backstop would you. So if you are the regional commander, in fact, the SPU form police unit is not under a division. It is a regional department. So it is under the regional command. If I can't find that vehicle that is supposed, if you have that vehicle carrying hot water, appearing on that scene, spraying the hot water on these students. I, I don't know how many of them will see remain on the street. These are all crowd control mechanisms and developed by international community and it's an international best practice that there is a way to get the people off the street. In other words, there's a way to get the people off where they want to go. And gradually, when you, when you disperse them, the purpose is to disperse them, actually. The moment you disperse them, you achieve your aim. It's not going to, to beat people and arrest them, no. Disperse them and let the traffic flow freely. Gradually, you get to investigate and see what happened and we'll see how we can address it. And I think that he interdicted the regional command because the sound police unit is a regional command unit under the regional operations officer and under the regional commander. And whatever it is, look, it is, you know, in, in police, command and control, immediately it happened. If the regional commander had taken action against somebody who is under him, the IGB would have the right to even touch the regional commander. Because the regional commander is already acting. Let me give you an example. Something happened in Wa. There was military brutality in Wa. And the moment the, 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 the commander, the officer commanding the 10th battalion, the 10th mechanized battalion in Wa arrived from Accra, look, he took action. 
84 of them were detained for 14 days. Some people were reduced in rank. So if you have the chief of army staff coming to us, you can't come and tell the commander that you didn't do your work well. He's already taking action for the irresponsible and unprofessional behavior of his soldiers. Probably you said that this one, the time was too short. But the IG is saying that interdiction is not a punishment, which is actually the law. Let the investigative report come. If the commanders were wrong, they will be dealt with. If they were right, under the circumstances, they'll be exonerated. So just stay aside and let's investigate. It's not a punishment. All right. So kindly, kindly hold your thoughts there. We'll come back to you on the matter of training of our police officers. That has also come up in recent times a lot because some of the crimes you have seen have been perpetrated by persons the taxpayer has invested to train. We'll, we'll come to you on what can be done on, on, on that front. Uh, Franklin, if, if you are there, quite interesting. Uh, I mean, the, the views we are having around the table. What, what, what do you think? Um, you think the IGP's um, conduct has uh, been a bit harsh, you know, or you think that that is the right thing to do? Bearing in mind that the unit dispatched to the scene was not supposed to be the right one. You know, what, what, what do you say? Well, is it the case that the IGP has accepted that the unit dispatched was the wrong one? Because if there is a foreign police unit, which we understand is, is, is in charge or whose job primarily is to control crowd, and you dispatch, we're hearing the SWAT unit, obviously that, 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 that's not, I mean, they are trained differently. They, they, they are trained to go after you know, weapons and hard criminals, etc. So when you dispatch these people to go after minors, students, protesting, that obviously is a, a sledgehammer being used on an ant. Is it not? Well, so it's on the basis the IGP has taken no, we, the action. We, we don't know yet. So we're just trying to get through his mind to, to see what the matter is. But that decision has been taken. Well, so since we don't know yet, uh, the presumption is that uh, obviously the wrong unit was uh, dispatched. Then obviously that must that must that must have been uh, been, been behind the uh, decision they took. Um, that's the way I understand it. But you know this is not the first time things of this nature have happened, and I'm sure maybe the reason why the IGP has taken the decision is taken. Otherwise, uh, crowd control I don't know is one of the basic tenets of police uh, uh, police administration, if you like police work. We cannot get it wrong all the time, really. And so for me. Um, I, I, I'm not a security person, but I would just say that if the decision was taken wrongly, then uh, clearly people must be sanctioned. I mean, that's all I've got to say. Otherwise, we should also have the intelligence to monitor this thing before they actually break out. Even if it was the case that the students were going to demonstrate without any notices. Mm -hmm. um, if this was picked up much earlier, uh, maybe this could have been fought, really. Uh, but there's, this is not going to be the last that we will see such incidents. But clearly, um, when it comes to crowd control, I think we have a deficit in that department. And I'll, I'll wait to hear the reasons why the uh, IGP must have taken the decision it took. Very but well. If it is, yeah, sure. I mean, moving the discussion forward, I mean, the, the matter of uh, officialdom, we, we heard yesterday from the chairman of the Defense and Interior Committee of Parliament when they went to the school that the school since 2010 has been writing to the Department of Urban Roots on this same matter of the ramps in front of the school. About 12 years on, nothing has happened. The last time they wrote to 
the urban roads was September 2021, last year. Still nothing. Now, the students took the law into their hands. They did what they did. It's bad, no matter how you look at it. But they have, they have, they have results. Now, IGP makes calls. Now, we understand that there are temporary ramps in front of the school. I mean, is it that our systems are no more responsive to the, the, the usual ways of getting things done and want to see chaos and, and things like this before they act? What could be the problem? Irresponsibility? I mean, what, what could be the problem? Lack of funds or what? Well, well I'm sure it's a combination of both. But on, on this particular one, if the students, uh, should I say, clear, clear, uh, ask, if you like, their questions were answered at least, they would have been satisfied. But, you know, this is a general trend in our body politic, really. And so I'm not surprised. How many times with that number has city not shown uh, roads that have been constructed, eons that have gone undergone, well, have become very deteriorated and, and then the um, official dump keeps quiet and all of that. So maybe because it's a, it's a student body, maybe that's why we are uh, we are all up in arms but clearly speaking this has been part of our body politic um and and i can say clearly that uh, maybe people may have to do a lot more demonstrations in order to get things done <laughs> i see uh, i'm not sure honorable messer will particularly be happy with that but uh, honorable so oh, no, no, mean, no 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 honorable messer honorable messer is pretty much happy with some of my most of my comments i i, I see i mean <laughs> I, I mean, I interesting. To, to the yeah. extent that you are not being mischievous, then I, I tend to be happy with some of your comments. I guess that on this occasion, I mean, look, I, I think that the incident of police brutality, mm -hmm. uh, which has been reported in the media, is becoming one too many. And I guess that the perspectives that have been shared by my very good friend, uh, uh, former Superintendent Trubo, and of course, uh, Dr. Norman, uh, are interesting perspectives that necessarily need to lead to some reform. Mm. Uh, I cannot count the number of times that we've had conversations regarding the need to reform our policing. Mm -hmm. You know, because me sitting here in the political space, I get worried when then it's attributable to uh, government. government. You know, because these are matters that are matters of state. Uh, the police service is a state institution. Okay, and, and so if then they are not performing in a manner that then protects the image of the state, and uh, everything that they do is then attributable to government. And mm -hmm. I hear people say that hey, they never even thought that under the uh, presidency of Nanado Danko Akufuado, uh, absolutely abuses. Mm -hmm. I seem to say is the president who directs the police to do these acts and clearly that's not the case yeah, he may not direct them but, but he's a man at the top but i agree okay so so that's why i get worried that the actions omissions or otherwise of the police is then made to look as if to say that somebody in government is not acting right mm. okay and, and so I'll edge but, the but, but is there no credence to, to that fact, really? Because we, we've seen I, incidents. I don't, I don't think so at we, all. We, we've seen incidents. We've seen Ejura. We've seen something happen in Asawasi too. We've seen Akachi. We, we, we've seen a lot of that, and we are seeing this in Kranza. We've seen, we, we've seen, we, we've seen quite a bit. If the the message from the top 
is quite clear and decisive. I think the police would think twice mm -hmm. in engaging. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it all goes back to the top. You see, well... And we have reports. And if, if the top was very concerned, I, I, I we're guess, talking about the revision I guess that of the standard operating procedure, for example. To the extent that the buck stops at the top, you may attribute some vicarious liability. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's an interior <laughs> minister who would yeah, directly uh, report to the president. No, I, I, I agree. You know, uh, but obviously, uh, the kinds of things that we've seen, uh, uh, you and I know that it's not sanctioned by the top. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's important when Dr. Norman says that the IGP, who has been appointed to oversee that and ensure that these things do not happen, okay, ought to be up and doing, mm. okay? <laughs> I was worried. In fact, last week, I, when the incident occurred, I thought that he had acted right by interdicting the officers involved. You know, uh, I know one of them uh, mm. went to my school, uh, one of my uh, Santa Clausians, the aqua gentleman. Okay. Uh, he had only been promoted a week before, and we were all celebrating him on our school platforms, mm. only to hear subsequently that he's one of the people who had been interdicted. I was worried, you know, for him. Uh, uh, and so it's refreshing that uh, I get suggestions on the table that then seeks to say that, look, uh, they so probably acted in accordance with the standard operating, operating procedure. Mm -hmm. But of course, uh, Dr. Trubo also puts another perspective to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let the investigation continue and let's see what it is that the outcome would be. But I will urge that some of these things that put government in bad light okay, uh, as much as possible. Let's minimize it so that uh, we all can have confidence in the police to who be protected in political... Who, who should minimize it? Yeah, of course, the, the, the supervisors, uh, uh, including the interior minister, mm -hmm. okay, uh, ought to put their foot down and ensure that all the reforms that are required to be done in the space is done so that uh, we have a police force that we all can be uh, confident in to do the right things when so, so, so that, yes. controlling so, matters like this. Very well. So, so that's also, that also extends to, to, to the executive in a certain sense because, um, I mean, the, the, the machinery of the state, if persons want something, legitimately so, they have been chasing this for more than 10 years, the simple matter of rams, maybe two, three rams in front of the school, so that when cars, speeding vehicles are approaching, because of the presence of the rams, they will slow down so students can cross the road. It, it's you unbelievable. Know, it, it's, 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 it, it, it did. It, and it's not only people. the Islamic secondary school mm -hmm. that this incident has occurred. I mean, driving to Takradi, you know, on a weekly basis, I mean, I recall one occasion, the people of Beposo mm. had blocked the roads with tires, set them on fire, and, you know, uh, protesting because... So that's clearly an car passing matter. Yeah. And, and so you wonder what the district assemblies, okay, um, are doing mm. why do we always have to wait for Accra to respond to local matters that can be dealt with and mm. you see the response from the kma mm -hmm. immediately this thing happened the following mm. day yes. they are acting so i guess that we ought to be more proactive in dealing with some of these things at the local level when it is clearly obvious that the absence of the ramps in those locations okay is leading to needless loss of life and mm. of course if the students uh, were not impacted directly by some of their uh, uh, colleagues you know uh, being knocked down by vehicles which are moving at high speed in those communities this would not have happened and so it's important uh, this is uh, please we, we beg of you when some of these things come up
let's try as much as possible. I know that for all intents and purposes, maybe as a result of some financial constraint. But I guess that uh, we can... You know, it you cannot know. be financial constraint for the past 12 years. I, 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 I said, I mean, well, 12 it, it years just, is a long it, it time. Just I mean, be. it's indefensible. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I do not want to hold brief. Meanwhile, the, the, department, the, the director of the department that, uh, yeah, goes to we, work every day. We should, we should be able to month. deal with these and, matters. And, and this is a simple matter that, that should yeah. have been... Very, very well. So let, yeah. let, um, I, I agree with you entirely yes. on, on that. Let, on let that. me come to you. Yes, on the, on, the, um, on the matter of the training... Maybe let me start with you, uh, uh, um, lawyer Ousefriye. Um, the name Ousefriye is quite interesting in this in these days. <laughs> oh, <laughs> for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. So uh, I mean, I, 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 it, it strikes me when I mention it. Well, so <laughs> forever, forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, so yeah. the, on the matter of training police people, yes. You know what is missing? You know, general police training, and even training in respect of recognizing or respecting the human rights or the rights of people you know even suspects what can we do general issue of training are we, are we getting the right materials are we training the right materials indeed i i listened to uh, uh, uh honorable lanchini tobu in the course of the week talk about a rigorous kind of a background uh, investigation or search made on police recruits in their time i don't think that is still there now so Anybody is just recruited into the system, and we, we, we don't get surprised these days when we see police leading, you know, armed robbery gangs. You know, what, what is wrong? What is happening? And what can we do? Well, basically, um, over the years, it's my own view that standards have dropped, mm -hmm. you know, um, everywhere, you know, and that has got to be put right. You know, I mean, um, effectively, if you are looking at giving somebody um, a job, you know, whether it's uh, the person is going to be president or even a police officer. I think the question that you need to ask yourself is, is this person the best person for the job? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I don't think those are, uh, questions are being asked. You know, now, uh, now, unfortunately, I think there are other um, considerations, you know, that come in, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 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 before persons are um, recruited into these um, uh, positions. Now, if you're looking at the training of um, um, officers, I think all officers have basic um, training. Mm. You know, so there's a so there's a basic training. Then uh, I believe there's um, uh, after that there's maybe some level of um, specialization. You, you know, and and then if you if you're a public officer mm. and if you are a police officer, you have weapons, you have a gun, you have bullets. There has to be an element of um, discretion, you know, in terms of in terms of how you um, um, exercise your role and function, mm -hmm. you know, um, and um, possibly I think uh, Dr. Norman um, I think has has made the point mm -hmm. quite clearly that you know these uh, 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 manual is there, and in fact the contents quite frankly um, frightens me, <laughs> you know. So, so I think, you know, in terms of um, 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 innovating uh, 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 police training, it is clear that the um, um, IGP um, has a job to do. So the basis of their training really, which, which is the manual, is, yeah. is actually problematic. Yes, I, I, you know, I, I so, think So I think when, when you train with the wrong material, I mean, the output you get certainly will be what we see or oh, be yes. wrong. Yes. Uh, all right. Yes. So, um, Honorable Lanchini, I mean, Tobu, the matter of training, um, how is the recruitment into the police service done? We know that, uh, okay, so Honorable Lantini is, is off. So, so um, 
uh, uh, Doc, you know, on the matter of training, how should it be done? We, we know in other in many organizations, people recruit for attitude and train for skill. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the police service. A lot of the things we've seen come up are issues which are attitudinal or, or, or character based. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a criminal finds his way into the police service. You know, the 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 the, the criminal cloak doesn't go off entirely. Mm -hmm. The person now becomes embodied and knows, you know, the loopholes in the system, works to exploit those loopholes and becomes a terror to the people he or she is trained to protect. Case in point, the, the, uh, the Jamestown bullion van matter, a police officer was involved. There was one which happened in Kumasi, uh, the, the, the tank of a motorbike was shot and the motorbike caught fire. You know, so you could see that the precision of, of, of these activities, the shooting, etc., it, it's, 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 it's so high. And these cannot just be done by ordinary people. Mm -hmm. In the case of the Jamestown shooting, the guy was shot at a distance. Was he was aimed such that he died instantly? Mm -hmm. You know, what what is wrong with the training? What can we be doing? Is it the recruitment process, or, or is it the politicians who, who are interfering with the process? A politician is I'll put it to him. But what 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 must be done? What should we be doing to ensure that we have a police service that is fit for purpose? A police service that indeed protects the citizenry. Um. Ghana moved away from meritocracy long time ago and is mm. becoming worse by the year. I think Honorable, <laughs> Honorable will agree. Why are you shaking your head? No, he doesn't agree, obviously. Okay. <laughs> Honorable will agree that... You speak for yourself. I'm speaking for me. Yeah. But, he's but caught, uh, I'm he's making caught, a point he's, he's that you endorse. <laughs> Honorable will agree that it doesn't matter where you, you recruit the police officers from. Mm. What matters is that whilst they are in, you audit them mm -hmm. from time to time and also give them continuing professional development or mm -hmm. training. Here we are, when a police officer who feels that he's lacking in some respect goes to school, the moment the senior officers find out, they send him away mm -hmm. to Wenchi or whatever, just to mm -hmm. use it as an example. So it makes it very difficult for them to improve themselves. Mm. There's a great deal of frustration due to ethnicity, tribalism, and considerations for people who are within a certain clique who get promoted and, and, and so on and so forth. So it's not just the training. Mm. It's not just the recruitment. It's the entire ecosystem, the management within it. Mm. It is as being infested with uh, tribalism and sexism mm. to the point where a lot of police officers, they are just there marking time, making sure that they can have an opportunity to make more money mm. and leave or whatever. So part of the criminal behavior of them is also coming from within the system itself. Mm. It's been encouraged within the system. They want to be able to be equal to their friends that are also in other professions. And when they see that they are not moving forward, they are not getting the promotion, but others who even came after them are getting promoted. And less then they become disgruntled. Mm -hmm. And the next action is, let me go bad. Let me go criminal. Maybe I'll make money. Maybe I'll catch up with everybody else. So, our country, the morality has sunk so low. And recently, the president of Ashasi University said, for the lack of ethics, Ghanaians are suffering. Mm. I'm just paraphrasing what he said. And it was a beautiful thing that he said, because 
we really have to take this country a bit more seriously in the way that we recruit people, mm. in the way that we give them the support, and so on and so forth, which is not happening. Mm. So I would not blame it only on the recruitment. The people must be employed. Mm. So even if they don't have the high moral standards, let's modify them. When I joined the U.S. Army, for eight weeks, they broke me down to almost nothing and then tried to build me, build me up. How? Oh, the training you get mm. is, is so severe. By the time you are through and then you go for additional training, it's not a joke. Mm. And that is what the recruitment and training is meant for. Mm. We hear rumors that people are actually being recruited for the police, being trained in the towns that they are recruited, mm. not at the police academy. And then one week to the graduation of those at the academy, they bring them to the academy hmm. and pass them. It's wow. happening in our country. You know, so I would not blame it only on the training. And what, why is this particular thing happening? That is the first time I'm hearing this. I have heard it hmm. in other places in the north hmm. that this is actually happening. Whether it's true or not, I cannot vouch for it. Hmm. But this is what I have heard. Hmm. And I even call some of my media friends to investigate. Because if this is happening, then we have a big issue on our hands. Mm. You know, so, so whenever there is a problem by the police, there's an incident, let us not blame the people who are involved immediately. Mm. Let us sit down and review the whole issue surrounding them, where they were trained, how they were trained. You know, Army has uh, two or three training schools. A chance is being used to train military officers. Mm. But... That is a place for jungle warfare. Jungle warfare means killing, shooting to kill. So why do you train new officers there? The police is doing similar things. Fire service is doing similar things. So we need to call the Minister of Interior, who is in charge of the police, not the army, to answer to some of these questions, mm. to tell us what is really, really going on with the, with the kind of training they're getting. In UK today, in Wales, you cannot be a police officer if you don't have a first degree. Mm. We take them from basic schools and whatever, give them the opportunity to go to school to improve themselves. Because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And when you waste a mind, it will be wasted upon you. Mm. So if we want to have a good modern police officers we need to have police officers who have the opportunity to improve themselves even if they are using their own money and today in ghana in any of the forces immigration whatever it is you try to improve yourself they will penalize you for that maybe honorable sir at parliament maybe you can look at some of these issues because it's very very but troubling you want to improve but i mean, yourself, I mean they, they, the question they, they, is broad-based it's an institutional thing, then of course there's basis for. No, but, but what he's saying is, you know, so for example, if you want to improve yourself, I don't even know what you mean by that. But if you want to improve yourself, go to in, school in a service. Yes, yes. There, there are ways of doing it. You, you you have to ask permission. There are ways of doing it because you know you don't own yourself as it were when you now work in the security agencies. So if you want to go to school, your, your superior should know about it. They won't you give you their study. You, you don't clandestinely go, go to school, and, and when they find out, that, that will be a betrayal of the system. Talk I to a few police officers. Ten out of, uh, there may be one out of ten will be given a study leave. 
and that person may have had some kind of deep connections to the management. Mm. Very well. well. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back and hear from um, Honorable Mesa on the matter. And also, we will interrogate the matter of the uh, people think that the police administration, the police body itself, must be overseen by an independent body which is made up of civilians and other professionals. We, we, we will put it on the table and, and briefly take comments on that and see where that goes. Um, this is the big issue, 97.3 City FM and on City TV. We'll be right back. All right, you're welcome back to The Big Issue, live on 97.3 City FM and on CTTV. My guests for this segment of the program uh, are uh, the Honorable Andrew Ejapa Mesa, MP for Second D and Deputy Energy Minister. We'll get into the real energy discussion a bit later. Um, Franklin Kujo, President of Imani Africa, he joins us on Zoom. Um, lawyer Osei Owusu Efriye. Um, the Honorable Peter Lanchini Tobu, who is MP for Wild West and uh, a retired police officer. Dr. Ishmael Norman, who is president of the Institute for Security, Disaster and Emergency Studies, who has made some uh, uh, revelations or said some wild things on the show this morning. But that, that, that is fine. Um, so, Honorable, I mean, let, let me take your, 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 I mean, your comment, which essentially will be the wrapping one on, on this particular one. Um, Dr. Norman makes the point that there is no meritocracy anymore, especially in the security service. He makes the point also that we don't just have to look at the recruitment. The, what happens in the service itself is a big issue. And all these things not resolved, you know, will give us the problems we are seeing. So instead of looking at the, the, the corporates, as it were, we should look at the system itself. What, what do you say? You I, work with I, the system. I, I was surprised that uh, uh, he will put out statements to the effect that people are being trained and outside the police training system and put in a week to graduation when he hasn't had the cost to verify that information because it's dangerous to put matters like this out when you haven't verified it then then the question is really what are we talking about okay particularly with a kind of uh, institution that you superintend putting matters like this in the public domain when you haven't verified should not be coming from you with all due respect okay uh, i mean questions about no meritocracy tribalism and all that what's the basis there are all segments of the ghanaian population in the police service so what's the basis of tribalism no, but, but you see the, no the, hold on the, I'm, I'm coming no you see the, so, some of these you cannot have empirical proof of, of some of these but they, we've heard many times that certain sections of the Ghanaian public feel um, marginalized when it comes to positions in the security how, service how so no, but it is a reality. No, but it has it's, 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 no, see, it's what I, people say. I and get, I get worried. I get worried. It's when, not something you I have get, data I get on worried when we dwell on 
so-called perception. Is which it is, perception? Uh, but that, of course, the statement that you've made, mm. there's absolutely no basis. Mm. But you say that people believe. People say they've experienced that. How so? Let them provide the proof. If you say it, you must have experienced it. Mm. Otherwise, it's pure hearsay. And I'm saying that you make statements like that and you create needless problems. Of course, I hear talk that no meritocracy. How? The police have a minimum qualification criteria. If you don't have a pass in certain subjects, you would even enter. Is that not a merit-based criteria for admissions into the public service or the police service or the military service uh, 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 agencies for that matter. Even if the suspicion that political interference exists, the people who go in still meet the eligibility criteria. But, but, but that is a it's problem. not as if I can go and bring people, assuming that suspicion is there. Yes, and but I don't I, have I don't, a problem. I don't know whether is that a question of meritocracy? I don't know whether it's an admission. No, or not. I but, said that suspicion. But, I'm not making no, any admission. No, but you're saying the people who even come in but I'm saying, meet the minimum criteria. Well, a lot of people wait, meet the criteria. Wait, wait. Of course, yes, but they can yes. only take a certain number. Exactly. So when but you, I'm saying that you mean that that was even the When 30 people meet the criteria. why I'm doing this? Because I've encountered media houses who, mm. based on a comment you make, mm. without the context, mm. take that clip and put it out there okay. for sound bites. Fair. And you are completely misunderstood. Fair. Because subsequent listeners will not get the context, the context within which you're speaking. So it's important that when we're making the point, you allow us to, right. so, so right. people can right. appreciate the point. I'm saying that, assuming that that situation even existed, the people who go in still meet the minimum eligibility criteria. Does that make it unmeritorious? I don't think so. But so so the point so, I'm also saying. Look, I'm, I'm not saying, saying is, that there are no problems. Mm. Because there are. We all have agreed that the training mm. may not be fit for purpose in terms of the scenarios that they may be confronted with. Mm. And so there has to be some review of that. Uh, uh, training of police service. No dispute. Of course, if the allegation that, and I've heard that promotions, people's promotion delay, and all sorts of things. We need to interrogate it and see what it is that informs how the police promotions are done mm -hmm. and why some delay. It purely could be financial. I don't know. Mm. Okay, because you can only promote a certain number at one particular time when you have the finances to pay them. But if you are at the same level, I, I don't know. All due you, for promotion, and you promote person A, B, C. Is promotions done and block? I don't know. But that, the, people the fact know. that you enter all together in one class, not necessarily. In necessarily, one class. you ought to. You are all due for promotion. No, I don't have a problem. I'm time. saying that yes, promotions are done. In the private sector where I worked for a long time, half yearly, end of year, mid-year, end of year. Mm. People on the same levels don't get promoted at every promotion period. Mm. 
Foreign Affairs Atlantic had issues with close friends of mine because I got promoted in, in, in July and also in December. Purely on merit. When they do their appraisals. Mm. Others didn't. They had issues. Is that what pertains in the police? I don't know. Mm. But to suggest that, that in itself is a tool of discrimination without further interrogating and verifying that that is indeed the case, I think is worrying. Just mm. one minute, that's, because that's, that's Honorable has attacked my institution, I will not let him go for free. So, just 30 seconds on this. Yes. First of all, Honorable appears to lay... I don't think I attacked your institution. Yeah, you did. I said that you attacked for me, you attacked the kind of role that you occupy, well, mm. I can don't I, think I putting talk, out... Sir? Some no, information so let, let, so 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 let, I, if after we finish, we, we can have this conversation. Mm -hmm. But there are all kinds of activities going on in the recruitment phase of Ghana Police. And before Honorable Pambueno left the uh, IGP's position, he actually did a mass promotion of graduates that have been left over for a while. If you want empirical evidence, I will cite you to that historical evidence. I'm sure you it. were in this country. Yeah. So what is that? Why were they be why were they being ignored? Why were they not being promoted? Mm. So honorable, where you said everything is glossy. Beautiful. I haven't said so. Well, because that no, is the implication. I think his point really is that you know so. there should be some basis. Please for the comments. A, I don't make <laughs> irresponsible statements. Very well. Very well. At all. Very well. So 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 let's move the discussion on. I mean we we we, we, I think we've exhausted. Um, I wanted to go one more round to, to, to look at the issue about the independent body, etc. But I think we, we need to make enough time for the full, uh, uh, the, the discussion on the hikes and full prices because it is, it is an issue that is disturbing or worrying a lot of people. Uh, so um, I, I want to thank uh, uh, you, um, uh, uh, lawyer Osei Owusu, free you so much for, for, for coming. He tells me he was here about some 10 years ago. And which makes him a veteran, <laughs> and, and we are happy to, to have you back, and we hope to see more of you in in, in, in the coming weeks and months. Um, Mr. Peter Lanchini Tobu, MP for Wa West and a former police officer, thank you so much for joining us. And Dr. Ishmael Norman, President of the Institute of Security and Disaster Security Disaster and Management and Emergency Studies, thank you so much for coming. We want to see more of you, surely. So thank you so much, gentlemen, for, for being on the show. Um, we, we move to the next matter, which is on fuel prices. Now, prices of petroleum products uh, witnessed one of the biggest jumps in recent times this week. It witnessed one of the biggest jumps in recent times this week as prices of fuel went up between 11 and 13%. A liter of diesel now sells at 13 cities, and that of petrol at 11 cities per liter. This has again triggered public uproar as transport fares and cost of goods are also expected to go up again. There is more in the following report. 
The average price of petrol and diesel at the pumps currently stands at 12 Ghana cities 28 pesos after selling at about 6 cities 50 pesos in January. This was after petrol and diesel crossed the 10 and 12 Ghana CD per liter marks this month. Already, there are hints of another likely increment in transport fares after prices went up by about 20% recently. Executive Secretary at the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers Ghana, COPEC, Dankanamwa, has been explaining what is accounting for the latest increment. It is likely from the 16th, um, which is tomorrow, uh, prices could be adjusted across the pumps uh, by between 10 and 14 percent, depending on the OMC you buy from. Uh, what that means in nominal terms is that petrol, which is currently selling at 12 CD, um, 10 CD, 10 pesos, is likely to do about um, 11 CD, 30 pesos. Um, diesel, which is currently averaging 12 CD, 20 pesos is likely to shoot up to about 13 city 30 pesos lpg however is expected to decline uh, by as much as 12 percent uh, which means that we could do be doing a kilogram for about 10 city uh, six pesos but this is without any premiums and any adjustment in premiums um, if the numbers that we have recorded uh, per BDC transactions continue to remain as it is as of today, then it supposes that you'll be paying at least one Ghana city for petrol diesel. What is accounting for the latest ex what is accounting for the expected increment? What could be the way forward with the situation as there clearly is no end in sight with global oil prices continuing to soar? Short to medium term we would expect tour to be brought back on stream. The city continues to drag as far as your fuel pricing is concerned. Not long ago, um, we were probably doing about 7.2, 7.5. As we speak today, some of the BDCs would have to do about 8.8 .8 to a dollar. That would drag your prices. Uh, if your refinery was working, you may probably not need to pay uh, your supplier in the hard currency, you could go to the refinery and get the product in the local currency. So the refinery uh, was sourced for its crude, uh, either locally or import. Again, the second most crucial safety net, which seem not to be working, is the bulk oil storage and transportation. I have maintained that BOST was not set up to be a trader. Originally, we anticipated Times like this would arise where crude will probably be doing 120, expected to move to as high as 160 by close of year. Uh, if you do have a strategic buffer that can hold products, uh, in our case, it's not even crude. It holds finished products, petrol, diesel. One would expect that when prices are not so high, um, we would all be interested in stocking up. All right, so um, that was a report on, on the, the, the recent hikes in fuel prices and, and some suggestions uh, being made there by uh, Duncan Amwa and co. Um, so we have a refreshed panel, but there's one constant on the panel. <laughs> All right, so that constant is um, 
Andrew Kofi, a Japan Mesa Honorable, who is a member of parliament for uh, second year and deputy minister for energy. Of course, there's another constant that he's on Zoom. That's Franklin Kujo, president of Imani Africa. And uh, we have uh, Kojo Poku, who is executive director, Institute for Energy Policy and Research. You're welcome. Hi, I'm not a constant. You are not a constant. And then we also have Duncan Amoa, executive director, Chamber of Petroleum Consumers Ghana, who will be with us or who will join us on Zoom. Is it there? If you're there, Honorable Duncan Amoa, um, good afternoon and welcome, or good morning and welcome to uh, the program. So we, we, we started off this way. Let me start off with you, Kojo um, Poku. Um, I don't know what you see, what your projections are uh, for for um, the. Uh, um, understand this, this. Sorry, there's um, uh, there's the Honourable Richard Jan Mensa, also of of, of the Gumawa West constituency, member of Parliament for the Gumawa West constituency, who has had quite some extensive experience in the sector and will be drawing on both his experience in the sector and what his side in parliament uh, thinks of the, 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 the current issues. I don't know whether to call it a fuel crisis or not yet, but surely there are issues. All right, so, so let me start with you, Mr. Kojepoku. Um, you, you do research and you make projections into the future. Um, of course, we blame a lot of what we are going through on Ukraine and Russia to a large extent, yes. Are we going to continue seeing these hikes and, and experiencing these difficulties, you know, as long as the Russia-Ukraine war continues? Is there nothing we can do about the hikes, even as the conflict, you know, uh, uh, goes on? Um, well, thank you, um, and then um, good morning to the panel and good morning to your viewers. Um, I think that, look, let's situate it in the right context. Mm. There's a global crisis. It's not mm -hmm. a crisis in Ghana. Okay. There are two issues that the fuel sector faces. Mm -hmm. Scarcity of products, because mm -hmm. what you have is that you have the number two largest producer of all products, being crude oil, diesel, or um, gasoline, being taken out of the world market. So because there's an embargo, so Russia does not ship stuff into the market. And they're the second largest exporter. Mm. So there is a shortage in the market. Mm. Then, because there's a shortage, that now plays into the demand and supply. So there's a global problem. Mm. Recently, um, as far as Wednesday, um, the Association of Refiners in the U.S. actually issued a statement and rebuked the President of the United States because the White House came out and said that the refiners in America should do more to bring down prices in the U.S. And they mm. came out to say that, no. It is his utterances, the president of the United States' utterances, and his backing of the war that is causing the problems and the volatility in the market. So if we situate it in a global context, then we now bring it into Ghana. Is there a reflection of the global situation in Ghana? Yes. But the Ghana has a peculiar situation. The only small peculiar situation we have in Ghana is the FX. Okay. Okay. Today, if you look at the price at the pump, the FX makes about 20 to 25%. Mm. As per the NAS analysis, 25% of the price we have now is due to the depreciation of the city. Mm. Now, in the last two, three months, the Bank of Ghana has stepped in through the ministry and MPA, has tried to now do something that we've been calling for for some time, a desk or somewhere like Bank of Ghana creating 
FX provision for the um, BDCs and the OMCs. And that is happening. But the little challenge with that is that the Bank of Ghana is not, is not able to do 100% of what their industry need. So they buy about 60-70% from Bank of Ghana, oh. but still have to go into the open market and buy and supplement. So that is the situation. So Ghana's situation is a combination of two, global issues and in terms of local, we're looking at the, the strength of the city. Oh. So if we put it in context, then I think we understand it that way. Very well. So, so as far as you're concerned, we'll be at this for a while. Once the war is... is well, uh, I have seen a document going around where the government is looking for about $1 billion in parliament, asking parliament to give it some money. Mm. I think that would stop the speculation and people betting against the city. Mm. What is happening now is that the city is in a sinking sand. Mm. And you remember when the government made an announcement that they were going to bring $2 billion into the market, immediately the city got some strength. What is happening, businessmen, everybody who is trying, is betting against the city. Mm. So they are buying more dollar and saving that. If the government is able to get that $1 billion into the system, there will be a panic for those who are now betting against the city. They will now start selling because the strength of the city will start going up against the dollar. So then we will reverse the trend that we are in now. Temporarily. No, it wouldn't be temporarily because now if one will go a long way. <laughs> but this is the first time we are injecting $1 billion into the No, economy. but then I mean, it's, it's, it's the whole of this year... Look, in every year, mm -hmm. subsequent to this year, we've been doing two injections. Mm -hmm. One with the, um, the, euro, the, the, euro, bond. the euro bond and the cocoa syndication. Mm -hmm. So the euro bond gives us February, March, the mm -hmm. syndication of the euro bond comes in. Then September, October, mm -hmm. the cocoa syndication comes in. So those are the two injections that we have. This year, we've not been able to do the euro bond. Mm -hmm. So that is where the challenge is beginning of the year. If we're able to do the one billion to come in, that would create a rally for the city. Mm -hmm. Then we are near September, October. The cocoa syndication money will come in in the next, let's say, five, six months. That would also now help. So, yes, it's temporarily, depending on what temporarily is, because it's relative. But it is a rally for the city. Mm -hmm. We need that injection to be able to rally the city. If not, then it's the sinking sand. Mm -hmm. Very well. Um, Duncan Amor, are, are, are you there? You... you, you uh, you, you interface directly with, with the consumers. Um, how does it look from your end? Consumers are complaining. They say a lot of their disposable income goes into transportation. Meanwhile, their income hasn't seen a corresponding growth. I know you've made some suggestions in the past. Government is, is, is addressed some of them, listen to some of them. Um, in, in, in the case of the BOG, making some uh, FS available to the BDCs at certain rates, etc., now, we understand that the situation is global, um, which means that there's very little we can do about that. In the past, we've also advocated that some taxes be taken off. I think sometime in March or April, some taxes were reduced. What else can be done to ensure that the situation is lighter on consumers? Well, let me say good morning to you. Uh, good morning to the Honorable Deputy Energy Minister, uh, Andrew Ejapameta. Good morning to Kojo. Uh, His Excellency. Thank you. Potential Thank incoming president. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, 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 you have lost your post by now if you never added that title. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, consumers are hard pressed. The Ghanaian is in dire straits. Uh, we are in very 
difficult moment, uh, what makes the situation even worse is that you are not at the end of the ropes yet. Uh, projections look quite grim. Uh, interventions have been, I mean, minimal, although we've seen some interventions. Uh, the expectation would be that we'll put in place a coherent strategy to contain the abnormality uh, that we are recording both on the international market and the FX situation, like Kojo rightly posited. Uh, we unfortunately cannot, at this point, uh, give too much hope to the consumer. Uh, we unfortunately cannot pinpoint to when all of this nightmare will probably be over and come to an end. Uh, the only thing we are certain of is that if nothing changes, if no drastic measures are taken, uh, we might get to a point where uh, a liter will simply cross 15 Ghana, uh, 15 Ghana city. Uh, it could even go into probably as much as 20 by close of year if the conditions uh, precipitating these increases are left unattended to. What are these conditions? You talk of a situation where uh, the local currency, unlike consumers in the uh, American, the Francophone countries who use their C CFA, are able to maintain some stability with their currency. The Ghanaian currency has largely depreciated uh, in how you look at it since Ghana's independence. And so, the fact that we need to still make the effects an issue, uh, as far as fuel pricing is concerned, in itself is an issue. Uh, you speak to the BDCs, and you probably hear some, I mean, good, I mean, results that, yes, indeed, Bank of Ghana uh, did make some interventions. So we went checking what was the level of intervention made. Then you get to understand that um, they got as much as 50 million USD uh, from a possible 250 million every uh, window, which is two weeks. And so within a month, you are looking at between 400 and 500 million USD uh, FX need for uh, the import market for petroleum. Now, the, BD, the BOG intervention has so far uh, resulted in probably providing about 100 out of a possible 500. What that means is that there is largely um, a lot more uh, of the FX that the BDC market uh, would not be able to assess and for which there was no need to resort uh, to the open market. If you recall, like I just said, not long ago there were uh, talks of government injecting about 2.5 billion USD. Uh, that forced the FX rate to uh, stabilize as it were and even make some gains. Unfortunately, because the BOG intervention has not been adequate, you do have a situation where uh, the BDCs now are still going back to the forex market uh, to source for the dollar. And like I indicated in the, the, the bit you played, 
Uh, some of them would now have to do 8.5, 8.8, as much as 9.0 uh, in order to pay their suppliers. Uh, I mean, what you call the forward uh, FX uh, rate. So, yes, the forex is a big issue. Beyond the forex, we've had discussions like you indicated, uh, generally centered on taxes, uh, on petroleum products. Uh, what has been done? Uh, we had uh, some intervention from the Energy Ministry, uh, the NPA itself, that were targeting uh, helping government reduce the taxes, uh, for which some series of you know discussions and meetings uh, were commenced. Truthfully, something was done eventually. What was done? We managed to reduce uh, margins, but not a single tax has been reduced as we speak. And so on that front, uh, very minimal has been done, but very woefully inadequate, if you ask me. Uh, we got a possible 15 pesos uh, when we could have done about 50, 60 pesos uh, for the Ghanaian consumer. Uh, the debate about taxes is not absolute. Let me, let me put it this way. Because if you are able to even reduce one Ghana city in taxes, and in one window, prices go up by one Ghana city, uh, you've really not achieved much because price will still go back up again. But why we talk of taxes, it's simply due to the fact that petroleum pricing is incremental. Petroleum pricing does not take cognizance of where it should have been and where it is going. It takes cognizance of where it is and then where it has to go to. And so if you are able to successfully reduce by 50 pesos, what it will mean is that any other subsequent increase will take, um, I mean, will take up from where you reduce to and not where it could have been or should have been. And so plus or minus, uh, you would have still made some gain as a consumer if the taxes uh, were looked at. But again, you get the understanding that well, government is hard pressed for resource and revenue, and so reducing taxes uh, is not feasible. That will take us to the third and the most crucial thing uh, that Ghana would need to consider at this point. The strategy, strategy, strategy. You are not living in very normal times where you wake up and uh, international market has injured by one or two dollars uh, or finished products on plat has gone up by some ten, twenty dollars a metric. No, the times we are dealing with currently uh, is a hypernormal situation, and so the strategy at this point would need to be reviewed. We cannot continue to sit, pretend that oh things will get back to normal when it's not getting back to normal because projections are that it will just get worse between now and December. Now, what strategy am I talking about? I did make mention of the need to get your oil refinery up and running. There are the numbers available to us. So currently, if they were able to do about 45,000 barrels per their capacity, we'll be doing almost 50% of Ghana's domestic need as far as petroleum numbers is concerned. What would that mean? 
to the Ghanaian, to the economy, to the government. If Thor came on stream today, got the crude, and was able to, I mean, as it were, put products onto the market, the pressure that the BDC market alone exerts on the forex could reduce by half immediately. And so the city depreciating uh, could at least uh, become minimal a bit because you would not need the individual BDCs to now go paying suppliers across the globe using the dollar uh, uh, immediately. When Tor could actually uh, source for the products and uh, be able to put them on the market. The question must be asked, how soon is Tor coming on stream in these crisis moments? It is important. The only reason some of the Gulf Corporation countries, like I have always maintained, are able to deliver petroleum products to their people at rates constant sometimes for 10 years is because they are able to localize the resource available to them. They are able to get their refineries working. They are able to supply and deliver to their market uh, without necessarily going to the international market to pick products. We don't have that strategy, but fortunately, we have a local refinery able to process about 45,000 barrels per stream day. If the refinery is made to work next week, I'm quite certain that the pressure on the city would ease a little bit in the long, uh, in the short to medium term uh, uh, possibility. Secondly, by way of strategy, we have also requested that the bulk oil storage and transportation should not be allowed to continue in these perilous times to behave as though Ghanaian taxpayers' money was used to set it up simply to behave as though it were some private BDC there to do direct trading, you know, buy and sell, and not away with it. At this point in time, when international market dynamics point to an upward trend or trajectory, maybe both should start looking at talking to some of these major suppliers, major traders, major players across the globe. How much fuel can we get and at what rate minimum can you get products to us? So that if you wake up tomorrow morning, Russia, Ukraine has gotten terrible, the city has not exactly stabilized, what could come to the rescue of the average Ghanaian? Questions have been asked. Where would both get the resource or the money from uh, in order to store up products for strategic purposes? Again, uh, together with Sojo Poku and the IES uh, uh, boards, we have to brainstorm on some of these things. What you can do immediately, the fuel marking levy of five percent. If you cannot give all, give part of that money to both. Annual generation of over 240 million Ghana City. Both can actually borrow against that in order to get products in tank, in order that whatever things that will happen next month, whatever things that will happen by November, however dire or difficult it is, you could have a national buffer that steps in to the rescue today, look.
you don't even need to import for two months because I have enough products that I got when products were 1,200 per metric. Today, it's probably gone to 1,400, which means the market should be trading at, let's say, 15, 16, 17 Ghana cities a liter. Both could step in safely. They have enough storage at least to take Ghanaians onto between two and a half months to three months. What are we doing with all of that storage space? These are very crucial strategies Indeed. that I'm certain my brother, uh, the Deputy Minister for Energy, uh, should be pushing, I mean, forth with immediately because, I mean, certain to just justify, rationalize, it's a global challenge, it's a global situation. Uh, certainly, the Ghanaian taxpayer, the Ghanaian uh, worker is not subject to the global situation. Incomes do not rise as fast as incomes elsewhere in Canada where even the medical staff were complaining they were probably overpaid. <laughs> the Ghanaian situation is unique, it's peculiar, and petrol prices single-handedly continue to inch up inflation against everything within the economy. Mm -hmm. We need an emergency response. We need not to sit and continue to believe that Russia, Ukraine uh, may decline anytime soon. The effect will decline. Uh, that if we were able to inject a possible one billion, then the situation will resolve. The petroleum importation market, if you injected one billion, will alone single-handedly within a few months uh, take up all that money, even if you were to continue at the current 30% uh, that we give to the BDC. So clearly, a lot more would need to be done. Very well. And I will be happy to hear from the policy side what exactly they intend to do immediately Very well. uh, to give the clients that honorable, honorable messiah is here and, and he's been, he's been taking notes be your apport your apport to him is i'm sure the apport is, is is working on his mind he's been taking notes and i'm sure he'll respond to you let, let me speak to you honorable uh, uh member for uh for for the uh Gomua west uh, constituency richard john uh mensa um I, I know you've had extensive in, um, uh, experience in the area but many of the guys in your side of the divide think that one of the surest ways of getting the, the prices down will be scrapping the taxes. Others have disagreed. Given your experience, coupled with the fact that you are with that side, what do you think is the, is, is, is the surest way of bringing down the price? Of course, a lot has been said so far. But what, in your view, you think scrapping the taxes will do? Bearing in mind that once the taxes are scrapped, you know, that's the end. few months later, we'll get back to this stage. Again. There'll be nothing else to scrap, which means that the solution must be a bit more root and branch than, than what we've been seeing or saying so far. Thank you very much, uh, Salom. And then I'll take this opportunity to also say a very good morning to my uh, colleague uh, panel members and also to my senior. And also, um, I would say that... Um, from listening to Duncan and then Kojopoku, uh, they've already mentioned the, the prob the, where the problem is coming from, and we are all witness to it. And nobody can say that we don't acknowledge the fact that the Russia-Ukraine war is a factor. But when coming to the taxes, personally, if you ask me, I would say that I have been one of the people who think that uh, the issue has not just been the taxes, even though the, the taxes also has a role to play. We must have accept the fact that currently we are in a crisis. Because looking at the situation now, 
and, and then the suffering on top suffering that the ordinary Ghanaian is facing. Something needs to be done immediately. That is why possibly people may suggest that we, sh we should look at the, the taxes. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that the taxes may be looked at as a temporary measure. Just as it was done somewhere uh, within this year, the government at the point have to suspend the price stabilization and recovery levy. Um, even if you look at the entire taxes now, it's about 2 CD 23 uh, pesos, mm -hmm. which is almost just around 20% per of the, the prices. But uh, if it is possible, and I think that we should look at it at this point, uh, we, we can't just look at the taxes only. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to accept the fact that as a country, we have actually not even, we didn't plan for this. Mm. I'm saying this because I have been in the parliament for just a year and a half and I've witnessed two budget statements. And in both budget statements, you don't see anything where government made any um, allocation. Uh, allocation or even plan that this thing, if it should happen, this is how we are going to, um, to resolve it. And then with this international market price, if you look at the trend, it didn't start now. Mm. Immediately COVID uh, uh, went down all the way from 2021, you could see that the prices, prices started going yeah. up. So that, at that point, it should have pricked us to say that, no, the, the way these things are going, it, it's likely that we may face some challenges. So that is where, if Duncan is mentioning the, the role uh, Thor and then Boss will play, I would agree with him. Mm. And also, even within this year, from January, February, when Russia and Ukraine war had not started, the prices were going up. It is just that the Russia-Ukraine war have also come in to uh, make the, bit, the situation a bit more uh, serious. But yeah. I think that uh, for now, because of the crisis, government should look at, uh, consi consider and then look at some of the taxes. Whilst we look at effective way of uh, strengthening our city or how government can also make allocation the dollar for the, the BDs or the importers to bring in the product. Because... If you look at, let me give you a simple uh, analysis. If currently, if you have to bring in a product and you go to the open market for a dollar and you have to get around 8.1, vis-a-vis mm -hmm. getting from Bank of Ghana around 7.5, there's a difference of about 60 pesos. Mm -hmm. When the BDC goes out and brings in this product, this 60 pesos, they will not absorb it. Automatically, they will add it to the price. Sure. Let's assume that so if a 60 pesos on each liter is being taken off, mm -hmm. and today we have price of 13 cities, wouldn't it be 12, 12 CD, 40 pesos? That alone mm. would also reduce the prices. So it is, it's, a, it's a combined uh, um, issues that we have to look at how best we can address them. And then critically, immediately, I would think that we, we, we can just lessen the burden by, by considering some of the taxes. Not, I would say that not to, to say that uh, taking them off entirely, but within this period, may be suspended. Whilst we are putting in place effective uh, measures also in terms of storage, because from the projections, it doesn't look like the national <coughs> market prices will go down. Even so, so your suggestion is to suspend yeah, some, the, of the the, 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 some of the taxes. Yes. The president should. said that you know, touching the taxes will, will, will be detrimental to the general economy. So I don't know for how long, because the, like you said, the crisis are not ending soon. But I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Honorable, um, I know you have quite a few things to say about this, because indeed that is your forte. That is where uh, that you are, you are deputy minister for energy. Um, Duncan, I've mentioned the role of Tor. What is the status of Tor as we speak? Do workers still go to work? What do they do? Why are they not refining? What is the problem? Well, um, let me say good morning to 
those of you who just joined us, uh, uh, Kojo, uh, Richard, and of course Duncan, whom I was on uh, Ekosi Sem with yesterday, mm. uh, we had some engagement, especially on the tour and bust issue. Uh, and I assured him uh, that indeed on the 29th of April, mm. uh, the management of tour uh, sought approval from the Ministry of Energy uh, to engage some private sector players to uh, commence the revamping of tour. And that approval went on the 2nd of May. Uh, and so the Ministry of Energy uh, has approved for TOR to engage a private sector player to partner in the revamping of TOR. And I said to him that as of yesterday, I did not have confirmation as to the timeline that um, that engagement is going to take. And so I would confirm, hopefully on Monday, to see what time frame that Tor was working with to ensure that the refinery uh, uh, comes back on, on steam. But mm. as it is, I, I, I do not expect that it will go beyond uh, year-end, okay, because um, there are some equipments that they need to repair to enable them to get back quickly and, and, but, and but start refining. Is, what, so, why, why have they been comatose for, for all this while? Now we it, are it's all a question crisis. of... It's all a question of finance. No, because I mean, that's what it boils down to. Running for, for, well, for a while. it's been off keep, for a while. Yes, and there's been okay, the recovery levy and all of that. And all of these have not helped in, in revamping it, have not helped in giving the necessary funds to, to get itself revamped. Uh, in spite of the toll recovery levy, yes. as we speak, there's mm -hmm. some debt of 400 million. Because that, that debt, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, okay. it never so, gets... No, gets, I, I, gets so the point that I'm making is that we can go through the historical mm. and uh, spend a day dealing with that. But that's water under the bridge already. But the assurance that I can give with respect to how we bring back tour on stream to produce and refine. So, so okay, this private sector player will, will help pay the debt? Ongoing. Or, what, what, well, what, what it, it's all part of the structuring. Mm. Okay? Some refinancing has to be done. Uh, some debt has to remain on the books of tour which means that whoever is partnering tour takes that obligation, okay? And I believe that government has paid significant portions of the tour debt already and potentially may have to be saddled with some additional debt. I can only confirm the structure, okay, subsequently. Uh, but you see, I don't think it's only a question about refining. Mm. Because if it was the case, then I don't see why U.S., U.K., and other countries across the world where they have functional refineries, multiple refineries, are still facing prices of petroleum price rises. Yeah, so, so the rises were okay, but the, the margin of the rises... Well, that, that, that's you, where you the should check is. the data mm. and you see that in the US, for example, price per liter has tripled mm. within a year. They have refineries. Okay, mm. it's not a question about FX because they don't have any FX issues in America or UK for mm. that matter. But prices of petroleum products are rising in all these countries. In fact, across the world. I just saw a CNN report, somebody screenshot and put it on one platform that I'm on. Sri Lanka. They've asked public, sectors, public sector workers to work from home mm. because shortage of petroleum products.
U.S. The other day I heard the president speak saying that he's going to sanction some of the OMCs, Exxon, okay, to force them to reduce prices. Kojo said that they've responded in equal measure and saying that, hey, <laughs> you can't do that because policies of your own administration is part of the problem. So it's good that we're having a conversation on these matters. And of course, Richard stayed the straight and narrow path of not playing the political game <laughs> as we, we want to. And, and it's, it's useful. Okay. Look, I've heard people talk of reduction of taxes. Mm -hmm. but, but before you come to the issue of the taxes, there are about how many? Seven or eight, seven or eight taxes? The energy debt recovery levy, the road fund levy. Which is 49p, road fund levy is 48p. Yes, the energy, energy fund, fund is 1p. Mm -hmm. Stabilization Price is stabilization 14. and recovery levy. Sanitation and pollution, pollution levy. 10p. Energy sector, energy sector recovery, recovery levy. levy 20p. Special, Special petroleum, petroleum tax 46p. Mm -hmm. And then bust margin. All of this come to one CD 90 pesos. Mm, per liter. Per liter. Mm -hmm. So even if you took all those taxes away from the 13 that we've seen today, mm -hmm. you get 11.1 per liter. Mm -hmm. And so you see the point that the Excellency the President made, that look, it's not a question about scrapping the taxes, mm -hmm. because doing so will not impact you and I when we go to the pumps. But it creates a huge dent in the exchequer. So that's what we have to weigh. These are the revenue sources and all together, I hear people talk that taxes on petroleum prices is in the region of some 40%. That's not true. Mm -hmm. And I've given some data to your producer. I wish that he projected mm -hmm. so that the good people of Ghana can see what it is that really the taxes amount to. And mm -hmm. that's it. Total taxes and margins on petrol, taxes and levies is 19%. And then the margins, the statutory margins, also come to 8%. On diesel, it's 15% for taxes and levies and 5% on margins. Mm -hmm. The total taxes and levies in absolute terms is 2 CD 43 pesos. Now, when the prices started going up, and I was in a meeting with my minister of finance ministry, uh, minister of finance, uh, minister of state, Duncan was present, Seaboard was present, where some of the margins were reduced. Uh, Bust margin was reduced from 9p to 7p mm -hmm. the pdm okay was reduced from 10 to 7 the floor marking was reduced from 5 to 4 and the uppf from 20 perso uh, 29 pesos to 20 mm -hmm. that came to a total of 15p okay question arose as to whether this was sufficient or otherwise mm -hmm. but the finance minister was clear that look at that point of course, at the time, the year levy had not passed. Uh, this was 21st March 
of 2022. Mm -hmm. That's when we held the meeting at the Ministry of Finance. And so if you look at the sources of government revenue and the goods and services that those revenues are intended to fund, mm -hmm. critical, free SHS, everybody wants it. Everybody wants roads. Everybody is crying for schools, hospitals. These are the revenue sources that mm -hmm. go to fund all these expenditures of state. If you take out all the taxes and margins that come to 2 CD 43 pesos on the 13 that we're talking today, the impact on the public purse is in the region of some 4 billion. Mm -hmm. But you and I still, when we go to the pond, will be paying some 11 pesos per liter. So, so, so that no point, impact. That, that, that point is always, that, that point is, is well made. So what, what can be done? Because the, the, we are feeling it. We are feeling it. Income levels are not rising. Cost of living is going up. And, and, and petroleum prices have a direct way, you know, they affect cost of living. What, what can be done? Because we, we've had everything, but what, what can be done? Should we just throw our hands in the air and say, well, this is it, so we can't do anything about it? Like what your colleague suggested yesterday or two days ago, that government cannot really do anything about it, the situation. Is, is that the case? What can be done? Governments surely should be able to do something about well, we're this. We're not a socialist country. <laughs> no, no, we, we, are, we are not. We're not but, a socialist yeah, so, country. So, so, we, so, so that question really is so, a socialist so, country. So, you can ask that question. So, so, so we, we should just we enjoy the way We are not a socialist Income country. levels are not rising. My brother, Everything we are else not is, is, a socialist. Is Look, mm -hmm. some of these programs we should educate the Ghanaian. Mm -hmm. It's the problem that everybody thinks that we are a socialist country. In a socialist country, government takes care of It's wrong to assume that people think so. No, but have you ever had everybody not blame government for everything because government itself has sought to give freebies to people what so if you give me that, everything but, for free so is that right let's educate the government know? wants it that way no so now but, the people but, are, are demanding it you, you, don't, you don't turn around no, to say no, no, no. i'm but, educating but, but, you know in the um, uh, message submission he, he made mention of this the free 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 everybody no, wants no, it no, no, everybody wants it government has no everybody wants it let me let me one minute government has its obligation which government takes seriously the point I'm making is that when we are in a crisis as we are, government employs a lot of people, agreed. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the private sector employers increasing salaries for their workers? It's not. No. Why? As your salary... Because of the challenges in the industry. Yes, the, exactly. The, the so why are we all now looking at government to now bring... No, no, but I'm, but I'm saying has that... Your, has your, has your boss no, increased your salary? No, that, that, that's immaterial. It is. No, no, it's not. No, why I'm, is I'm it immaterial? No, you, you do, that, why are we all blaming government no, for the hardship because, and the private sector because is Because government itself has said he wants to do those things. No, government but we're not itself. a socialist country, so no. let's educate. No, no so let's educate government. those. No. Nobody no, no, forces no, no. government to do let's free SHS. Those Nobody forces government to do free SHS. Nobody forces government to give free fertilizers to people. No government for, Nobody forces... It doesn't you know, make it right for us to exactly. keep blaming government no. for things that he shouldn't be blamed. So let's no, but educate government the government. Government, government gives a signal. Government gives us freebies. Government tells us that when you vote for me, I will give you this for free. Because, you know, government says... I revert back to you. No, 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 I'll deal with it. I'll, 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 I'll deal with it. But I mean, we have to not, go for a quick break, though. But, and I'll bring in Frankie well, quickly. So, so well. that's why it's not a question conclude. of government giving freebies. I mean, if we have a country where 100,000 people on an annual basis are unable to go to school because of financial difficulties, mm -hmm. 
then it makes sense that government will create an environment. So, so for example, no, government on. in itself no, is no, populist please. in some sense. People have said that. I don't they, think it amounts to populism. Wait, wait, no, because I, I, you see, the, the, look, the, the issue about like, the no, necessity allowance, etc. People think that we can taking it off was a good decision. But for for political expediency, it's been broken. Now we cannot even pay. It's debt on government's books. You know the, the purpose of paying those allowances. People think is is been is been outlived. You see, we now you have to, that on We your need book. to situate you know all and these you conversations in context. Yes. Okay. Um, and there's a history mm -hmm. to uh, petroleum pricing in this country. Mm -hmm. Why it became necessary in July 2015 to roll out a deregulation policy. Okay, is because in the past, when the market was regulated, huge debts were accumulated in the energy sector mm -hmm. that government had to deal with. That led to the introduction of some taxes and levies that we see on this slide that we showed. And he has it. He can put it up. Okay, some of those problems are still persistent. And so in 2015, when we took the decision that, look, Going forward, policy decision is to do a full cost recovery. Mm -hmm. Private sector, when they import the product, should be able to sell, recover their money, and then restock. That policy hasn't changed. Now, we are in a situation that is impacting everybody across the world. So, calls are being made on government to look at it, and it's a useful call. I'm saying that government has responded mm -hmm. as of March by reducing those handles that objectively it could touch. There's been a significant intervention with respect to the FX market that the Bank of Ghana has created for the petroleum sector. Mm -hmm. It may not be sufficient. And so we can call on Bank of Ghana to make additional resources available. Of course, that in itself is dependent on your FX reserves that you have. Mm -hmm. And so, this facility that is before Parliament now, that Kodjo alluded to, is intended to shore up the reserves to enable Bank of Ghana do more. Very well. Okay, so it is not as if government is sitting aloof on consent. Measures are being taken, measures are being implemented to reduce the impact. But I'm saying that significantly when you situate in the conversation in context, you look you need to look at all the factors mm. which most of the, the previous speakers have, have, alluded have, to. have alluded to so that we can have a broad conversation to see where it is that really the issues are because it is easy to say government should reduce taxes mm -hmm. and i've said to you here that if all the one cd 90 pesos per liter we still pay high is, we will still be paying huge sums of money at the pump because of factors that clearly is out of everybody's control. Very well. Let me take a quick break, return and take Franklin's voice, then then take quick responses from everybody around the table, and then we can wrap up uh, for today. And I will take uh, some of your, your messages uh, that have also come through. Let me take this one, for example. Uh, on, on earlier March, he said, uh, David in Kaswa said, it's a matter of who was and how they were recruited into the police service. Protocol recruitment is bad for us. Young enough, Canadians said, clearly the Islamic SSS situation is a failure of our institutions to act until things uh, get out of hand. Uh, Elikem Ezekiel from Dansuman says, over the years, the police attitude towards crowd control has lacked professionalism. 
they've always leaned towards show of force as opposed to managing uh, the situation. We'll take a quick break, return, hear from Franklin Kuju and, and, and take concluding remarks on, on, on this particular discussion. Don't go away. Well, yeah, welcome back to The Big Issue. My name is Salom Adunu. My guest uh, for this segment of the program, uh, the Honorable uh, uh, Andrew Ejapa Mesa, MP for Secondary, Deputy Minister for Energy, um, Kojo Poko, Executive Director for the Institute for Energy Policies and Research, uh, Franklin Kujo, who I'm going to next, is the President of Imani Africa. Uh, you heard Duncan Amwa um, also speak on the matter, um, Executive Director of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers Ghana. Uh, Franklin, a lot has been said around the table. I mean, the issue of Tor has come up. The issue of FX has come up. We want solutions. Um, there's a one billion we hear will be injected into uh, the the economy soon. Although the finance, I mean, all business from the finance ministry is being put on ice in the meantime. Uh, what do you say? Uh, I, I mean, speaking from Imani, what 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 do you say should be the real issues? A number of solutions have been proffered. What do you stand in all of this? Well, I mean, all these solutions we've heard before, it looks as if fundamentally the structure of our economy may be the reason. It's actually not the, may, may be the reason. It's not conditional. It's actually the reason why we, these uh, interventions have not been able to stem the tide of uh, the rising prices. And generally, if you look at inflation, and, and the numbers, inflation numbers uh, across the continent uh, pegged against the minimum wage of certain countries, again, at least 15 or so African countries. Uh, we, are a bit, we are quite worse off, really. I mean, our inflation is double digits and almost nearing 30%. Now, most countries that we compare with on the continent do not have these dizzying highs of inflation. So it tells me that, meanwhile, this, the four prices have hovered around the same for most of these countries anyway. So there's a clear disconnect, and the disconnect here can be found, or the root, the root of this disconnection uh, is, is, at the, is, at the, is, is actually at the back and call of the way the economy has been structured, and I must say also managed for the past couple of, uh, for the past several decades. So it is in the nature of our economy and its management, that is the reason why we are not able to stand some of these international uh, shocks. Of course, we've talked about the Forex, which is also uh, which is also an issue when it comes to managing the economy, really. Uh, and then obviously, uh, Boston, all its uh, problems as a state entity. But fundamentally, I think, in spite of the fact that subsidies have never been economic, but they never make sense, because of the way they've been organized, uh, and it is clear that the, if you look at the uh, figures across the world, and I understand we need to compare prices around the world, we should also compare the, 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 the rate of inflation across the world. And it's not the same for, for most of the countries, even on the continent. So um, it is in keeping with the nature of the way we manage the economy. It is exactly what we reap, we, we, we saw that we are reaping. I don't think we've moved the economy beyond the, 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 what I call the artificial numbers of GDP growth. Because if we take away all the, um, the some of the resources that, that more or less jump us, uh, that give us that boost when it comes to GDP, the real economy itself is, is, is really in shambles. And I successively, 
we pay lip service to that sector. So for me, it is in dealing with the agricultural prices, agricultural food prices. It is in dealing with the, the, the per capita expenditure we make, the value of investments we make in most of our, uh, most aspects of our economy, be it the state leading in certain infrastructure. Have we asked questions about the value of money, uh, the value of investment that we make? Of course, if we want to deal with the investments in other consumables like education and what have you, the questions are, are we reaping the real benefits from these investments? Was there a need to expand the country's uh, regions to 616 so that the government keeps spending? Um, and what was the verdict on the, uh, the planting for food and jobs? You know, so there's a disconnect between the way the government or the way the public infrastructure for the funding mechanisms have been uh, supervised or uh, structured as against the sort of uh, uh, the whirlwinds we are reaping right now. So I put it to the management of the economy, basically the structure of the economy hasn't fundamentally changed, in spite of what many people say. Um, and then clearly the management. Otherwise, these numbers, however discordant they are, um, sorry, disorienting they can be for most economies, if you look at them critically and compare to the price of uh, goods, uh, even on the continent, I don't think we are we are we have served ourselves quite well at all. Very well, uh, thank you so much, Franklin. Um, so let, let me begin from you, uh, um, Honourable John. Um, I mean, in, in concluding, what, what will you say will be your concluding remarks, given the difficulty we have? Because I, I fear that at the next pricing window, we will see another increase, which means that I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll keep rising, rising, and, and there's no end in sight. One minute. Okay, so I, I think that uh, we must appreciate the fact that we are in crisis mm -hmm. and then um, government must act mm -hmm. because um, as, as in the discussion, you can see that even the private player doesn't have any, uh, in this instance, the role they can play in this is, is a, very, uh, a bit limited. But how should government act? Uh, but that's what we mentioned about the long-term effect mm -hmm. where the boss, the revamping tour, boss, the, um, being up to tax and then pursuing their core mandate. Mm -hmm. And also we talked about the possibility of also taking out some taxes. And then also how government can strengthen the uh, steps they can put in place to strengthen the, the CD against its major yeah. uh, trading uh, uh, currencies. I think that is one thing that that one, it is government that can do. And also one, the final one, uh, I mentioned earlier that the government has not also done much in terms of the downstream sector yeah. and so uh, they have to pay much attention to the industry because as it stands now it is not only the ordinary Ghanaian who is suffering the industry itself the OMCs are suffering the BDCs and if uh, um, steps are not taken these businesses may go down and it will affect us in terms of employment yeah. so it is a key area I would advise um, the world of politics I think that uh, we should all see how best we can bring out ideas and thoughts then the ministry should also engage they should engage because there are a lot of people who can also come up with ideas that can help them. The ministry is not engaging so much. Mm, it's always yeah. meeting COPEC and all those. There are people meet the industry players. They can really be happy when yes, you say uh, that. Anyway. Yes, 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 yes. So they, they should. So thank you for the. All right. So, 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 Poku, I don't know what your research tells you, uh, but it means we will be at this for, for, for a while. Well, yes, but then you see there are some steps that have been taken. And like I said earlier, something like the deregulation that we've been talking about that, look, we should cap the margin. MPA took the advice 
but from what we've been told, they cap the margin at 60 pesos. Mm -hmm. I think the margin can be reduced to 40 pesos, not 60. Mm -hmm. Look, the OMCs can do well at 60 pesos a liter. If you look at Guel's recent release of their profit, Guel has doubled million. their profits from 40 something about three years ago to about 100 million. Mm -hmm. So the OMCs are making money. It's mm -hmm. not like it's a bad industry. That's why there's over 170 OMCs and still people are applying mm -hmm. because they are making money off Ghanaians. So for me, I think that we should suspend deregulation for a little bit because we are in crisis and peg the cap of the OMC margins at 40 pesos. I think that will go a long way. Secondly, the upstream has stalled. Mm -hmm. Look, our upstream, nothing is happening on our upstream. Companies that have been sitting on petroleum agreements since 2013, 2012. The Honorable Minister is here. I don't know what the ministry is doing. Look, terminated. they are terminated four of them. Well, more than four need to be terminated. Well, we need to terminate about 10. Because all the PAs now have overrun the seven-year mandate that was given to them. Mm. Even those that were taken on 2013, even if you take away the two-year COVID, the mm -hmm. seven years is two and a half, two and a half, two years. Mm -hmm. First phase of two and a half years, by all stretch of imaginations, all of them have gone past the first phase. So whatever excuses they are giving the ministry to still sit on those blocks, for me, I think, look, we need to be active in our upstream. If we're doing about 500,000 barrels now, most of the problems we're having now will be negated by some of the revenues coming in from upstream Very with well. crude oil at 120 for the last six months. So I think those are some of the things that the ministry should Very take well. seriously. Honorable, I mean, you have the last word. Just encourage us. Don't go into Just encourage us in 30 seconds. There we go. Well, I, I, like I said, um, I, I, I think that the Minister of Finance was clear at the time that we're having this engagement that led to the reduction in the margins that this conversation is not closed. Okay, and necessarily government will have to act at a certain point, you know, to, to bring some uh, further relief to the consumers. Mm. And we would continue to engage them as a ministry mm. uh, to see what it is that they can do mm -hmm. to provide some cushioning. And I can assure you that that conversation will take place. Very well. As to whether we will get the response that we want and its impact ultimately at the pumps. Is dependent on several other factors beyond well. that conversation. All right. So, so this is how we conclude today's uh, so just program. Just a, just a uh, quick we'll, one. Um, he mentioned that the OMGs are making a lot of profit. It's never true. Very well. Just so, look so, at the books. They are not making profit. Very well. Well, the bad so, ones are not, but the good okay. ones are. All right. So, so, so thank <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> uh, <with> the <laughs> executive director of the Institute for Energy and Pol Energy Policies and Research, uh, Franklin Kujo, President of Money Africa, Andrew Ejepamesa, MP for Second Year, Deputy Minister for Energy. Jankanamo, uh, Executive Director, Chamber of Petroleum Consumers Ghana, and the Honorable Richard Jan Mensa, uh, MP for Gomua West, on the ticket of the NDC. This is how we conclude today's edition of the program. My name is Selom Adonu. See you again next week.